going on? Where have you been? You're late. No, I don't want to hear this. Look, your job performance is nowhere near good enough to be pulling this. I don't give a damn if you're a You understand me? Yeah. All right. All right. Now get out of here. Thank you, sir. So you nervous about the fight? They're scared to death. You don't look scared? Well, you ain't supposed to. Then you don't have to do it. Yeah, well, I think I do. You know, living with you, it hasn't been easy. People see me, but they think of you. Now with all this going on, this is gonna be worse than ever. It don't have to be. No, sure it does. Why? You got a lot going on, kid. Oh, what, my last name? That's the reason I got a decent job. That's the reason why people deal with me in the first place. Now I start to get a little ahead. I start to get a little something for myself, and this happens. Now I'm asking you as a favor. Not to go through with this, okay? This is only gonna end up bad for you, and it's gonna end up bad for me. You think I'm hurting you? Yeah, in a way you are. That's the last thing I ever wanted to do. I know that's not what you want to do, but that's just the way that it is. Don't you care what people think? Doesn't it bother you that, that people are making you out to be a joke, and that I'm gonna be included in that? Do you think that's right? Do you? You ain't gonna believe this. Well, you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching you. Every day was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that, and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what. No matter what happens, you're my son, you're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't gonna have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. All right, so let's get started here. I got... Uh Brian Swift, or do we say Brian P. Swift? Or no. We, okay. I see that on the uh, on your social media, so I didn't know if uh, I should keep that in there or not. Uh, and so Brian's a guy who was paralyzed 40, it's 40 years now? 40 years. 40 years now. Uh, football injury when he was in high school. And uh, what position did you play in high school? What's, uh, what you, was you going on? You know what? I, I wasn't happen? playing in high school at the time. It was the day after Christmas. Like a lot of the guys, in every, you played at Thanksgiving, you played at Christmas. So we had about 15 guys out there playing oh, football. Oh, just yeah, to pick up game. Pick up game, yep. tackle, 
and I happened to intercept a pass and was running, and I just got tackled from behind. So I didn't fall on my head. I didn't fall on my neck funny. I just went straight down face first. Uh, nothing traumatic. I mean, I've been hit wow. harder. So I, there's no rationale for the why. Yeah, and, uh, and okay, so in this podcast, I want to talk about things that are like – that the general public wouldn't understand, like a complete injury and an incomplete injury. You said your injury is complete. Um, so, is, so is mine. And then your injury is at what level? What's the? C5, C6. C5, C6. And I'm six, C6, C7. So we were talking before the podcast. I have slightly a little more hand function. Like I can move my thumb yeah. and, yeah, uh, Brian doesn't have that. Like I can just pinch a couple things, uh, maybe grab an ass or two. Uh but spasm of course right 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 oh well i'll tell you what like uh i don't have you ever had like baclofen or any of that kind of stuff i don't don't know no no medicine no pain medicine no no i don't take anything either now i'm 17 years uh paralyzed come this march uh and like they they offer things like to get rid of the spasms and stuff the spasms are annoying no doubt right like when you're sleeping and things start moving and everything else it's a big pain in the ass but um, I use my spasms to transfer, like you know, my, my tone, I should say. So, like uh, another misconception, the, the reason I want to have some guys in wheelchairs on the podcast, and I'm going to have a bunch of different people, is there's way too many misconceptions. And then, in my experience in 17 years, everybody that assumes something assumes wrong. They're they're way off. Um, I've had people tell me like. Uh, tell me what I can't eat and what I can't eat. And I'm like, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and then, uh, you know, like everybody that's in a chair is different. And I, there was a guy that I was kind of like um, talking with, trying to like, uh, he just got paralyzed. He was a pipe fitter, had a pipe explode, and he got paralyzed in his low back. He's a low para. Like they could probably fit him for some braces and he might be able to with, you know, uh, with things walk. And I said, listen, don't take any offense, but the difference between you and me is, yeah. Yeah, is the difference between a guy that's walking around and you. Like, they, they're, it's totally different. You, you know, um, we have a situation where if you're paralyzed from your chest down, you don't have torso control. So you're constantly using something to balance with, or you have, um, I have like side guards on my backrest that keep me from falling side to side sort of a situation now you know i I get my hands in there and try and make sure i don't don't fall either and and try and stay balanced but a guy that's paralyzed from his waist down he can do sit-ups like he can it's night and day right you can't even compare no no you can't now i don't uh i don't give anybody anything like uh uh there are things that are definitely more difficult for us than they are for him because he can do these things but that isn't. There's people that are walking around just fine that are having a bad day, and they're like telling me about it. And they're like, look at me telling you about my bad day. I'm like, hey, everybody's got flat tires. Everybody's got a thing that goes on in their life that's that 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 pisses them off. I, I, my injury stuff, I use it in a way when there's a day that's bad, and I've had bad days unrelated to the injury. Bad days in business. Bad days at work. Bad days with the with the kids. Um, anything that could go wrong did go wrong sort of a thing days and they always aren't as bad because I've had a worse day you know what I mean like the day I broke my neck was a worse day so I'm not going to be too worried about the fact that my car didn't start or something like that happened well perspective is so important as I tell my kids 
it's never as bad as it seems, and it's never as good as it seems. Right. It's always somewhere in between, and you got to remember that. And nothing is permanent. Sure. Everything's changing. I, even though I've been in the chair 40 years, it's I. nothing's permanent. I still believe that. that right. That I, tomorrow could be a better day, and the day after that could be sure. better. Right. I also subscribe that, the, you know, you talked about uh, people in wheelchairs and perceptions. The perception of the disability community has changed from when I first got hurt to what's out there now. In uh, my opinion, not in a very good way. Uh, the lack of people feeling, feeling empowered to make the life that you have here. And we talked earlier about all the things you do uh, is out there. It's out there for them. Mm. You didn't win the lottery and all of a sudden your life became awesome. No, you right, figured right. it out and you did it with your family. Sure. I mean, that that's... Right. That, that, that there's a, sort of a situation too where when... Okay, so I broke my neck on a construction job, but two months before I broke my neck, my ex-wife signed me out of workman's comp. So I had no insurance when I broke my neck. Wow. And uh, so like I, there, there are... And I mean, again... I still don't like the money doesn't matter as much as some people would think. So I have uh, two friends that are in chairs. One's a para, the other one's a quad, and one guy I think got like several million. I'm not gonna say how much because it doesn't matter. And I don't look at them for that money or anything like that. But their lifestyle is obviously different because of the money, and it makes it easier for them to live their lives. But they still have a daily deal with everything that I have to deal with too. So like I don't. Uh, I'm in no way, shape, or form jealous of the money. In fact, I can look at it in certain ways and be like, I can do more than that guy because I didn't have someone there to do it for me sort of thing. And then, you know, like I, my sons are with me for the most part, but there are definitely weeks where we're so busy and they're busy with wrestling that I'm alone for the entire week. Like it's, it is what it is. So I'm 100% like, on my own i got my vehicle i jump in it go to the i can go get some i can do whatever i want to do um on my own like it's completely independent uh where some of these other guys that were you know the settlement thing doesn't matter or anything it's the fact that they were married when they got injured they stayed married um i went to i used to go to the uh, rehabilitation rehabilitation institute of chicago they would call me up and say, hey, we've got this guy that's in. He just got paralyzed. He's really feeling down. He needs somebody to talk to. And I would come in there and talk to him for a couple hours about things. And we would go over the whole thing. Um, what I always found funny with those guys was the first question that they wanted to ask, they didn't ask. Sex. Till the, yes, yeah. It was there always that. You could see it on the, on, on the back of their brain waiting. They'd ask two or three questions about something else first. Yep. And it then is, it hasn't. Yep. Then well, we get there, sucks. right? And we would be crazy because it would be like twenty minutes spent on everything else, and then the other forty or fifty minutes was all spent on sex. How is this going to work out? How? And I'm like, dude, it's going to be fine. Uh, but when I went down there the one time, there was a guy back at the hospital for what they call a second look. When he was in the hospital the first time, he was so cantankerous, such a pain in the ass. He didn't want to learn anything. He's like the fuck with this. I'm not going to teach myself how to get dressed. I'm not going to teach myself how to cath. I'm not going to teach myself how to do anything. I'm just going to, I'm going to get out of here, go home. My wife, he went home. His wife was doing everything for him. She sounded like the biggest sweetheart in the world. He was at the hospital. And I'm like, so why are you back here? And he's like, well, you know, I got buddies and I wanted to go camping and stuff. And I need to learn how to do these things on my own. And I'm like, you're kidding me. Like you've got 
a wife that's that's looking to take care of you. And you're, the reason you're here isn't to make life easier on her. It's so you can go out with your buddies and do what you want to do, which that's great. Whatever gets you to that point, then do that. But he was a state champion wrestler, and he still had the work ethic wasn't there when it came to that stuff, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, but so anyways, uh, you know, so everybody's different. Everyone's got different struggles as far as that goes. And, uh, you know, this guy needed to learn all that stuff, to do all that stuff. And we talked for, for quite a while. We knew a bunch of people in common and stuff like that. But uh, it really has to do with your attitude towards what you want to do. And then some of it was, for me, was necessity. I was put, like, in a basement where I couldn't get out of there. And I had choices. I had a, a situation where I I was newly paralyzed. I every time something happened, like I fell out of the chair or something like that, I have to get a phone, call somebody, they gotta get me. Finally, one time that I, I I was trying to do something, tipped the chair, flipped out of it, I'm on the ground and I'm like, you know what? I'm not calling anybody. I'm gonna get this done. So there was a couch down in this uh, basement that I was in. I'm like, all right, my plan is gonna be that I'm gonna drag my ass over to that couch. I'm gonna pull the cushions off the couch, get on the cushions. Then I'm going to get on the couch with no cushions, put the cushions back on there, get on the cushions, then I'm going to get back in the chair. So I drag my ass over there, do all that. It took almost three hours to get this whole situation done where I'm sitting on the couch with the cushions and I'm ready to get in the chair. Problem is, I forgot the chair on the other side of the room. So then it was throw yourself back on the floor. Crawl across the... Now I'm getting actually better at it because I've already done it once. So it takes me about an hour and a half to get everything put back together. I'm back and I get in the chair. Then I realize that in my process crawling across the Berber carpeting to get the chair, I lost my sandal. My toenail got hooked in the Berber carpeting and ripped that off my foot. There's blood everywhere. But when I was done with it, I was like, all right, it only took me about five, six hours. I got to pee real bad. But... I got it done. Now, if I fall out of my chair, I got this covered. So, you know, that's pretty much how I approached everything was like, listen, you're afforded this time. Do something with yourself. Figure it out. Don't be dependent on anybody. Uh, and I did things like, you know, I, I got the Rosetta Stone, Stone stuff and I started learning German and started like, you know, speaking a second language and stuff like that. Try to utilize my time. Every time I went back to the hospital, though, I ran into guys who were doing the opposite. Oh, they yeah. were just watching TV. Yeah. No, guys like you are, are a rare breed, unfortunately, um, because what you did is in all of our ability to try and fail. So, so you, so you fail. I, I don't understand why people are so afraid to try and worried about failing. Uh, I tell my kids, the kids I coach, it's okay to fail. I mean, it's it, it's okay to you know try something and not be good at it. That's why you practice that's right, right. you know what what happens you, you you don't do it the right way and now you learn um in the rehab your situation same thing with me i used to go back to ric and do a lot of peer mentoring because my my uh when i broke my neck my life was a little different i was a little younger than you i still lived at home so i did get i did have more support than you had sure. uh, although we lived in a uh, raised raised ranch home we had a ramp that was like a ski hill to get into it. So sure. that made it interesting. My my kind dad actually put a, a tree 
at the bottom of the ramp on the parkways to make sure that if I came down too fast, I wouldn't end up in the street. Yeah. So that, that t- kind of tells you my, how my dad worked uh, when I got home from the, the rehab. And he, it was different back in the day. You, they told you everything you couldn't do. You will never walk. You will probably end up in a home. You probably can't get a good job. You, I mean, it was just, I felt wow. bombarded. Oh, completely by different. All the I stuff there. I couldn't, yeah. by all the stuff that, you know, you've got to get an electric wheelchair and you're going to need a lot of care and you're going to, and finally I just told him, don't, I, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't know what sure. is, the future holds for now me. That was, that was counter to what they, and I think they the, the pendulum swung the other way too much because they would tell you, like they had a whole seminar on stem cells where they were like, you're going to walk. And I'm like, uh, and at first, you know, at first your thoughts are anything to walk, right? That That's the whole thing. I still get people, this is another one of the misconceptions out there. Um, I'm 17 years, Brian's 40 and I won't speak for him, but I don't think about walking at all. I think about what I got to do in my day. I don't even think about, oh, hey, I wish that they would, l- listen, if someone brings it up, then I'm like, yeah, it'd be nice to be fine. But it's not something that's on my agenda. I'm not scouring the internet for cures in Colombia or Portugal or. You mean you mean you don't want to put on an exoskeleton and yeah, right, walk right. around? No, it, it, none of that grand. seems. I agree. Right. I, I don't either. And I found the cure for paralysis. A lot of people will disagree with me, but the cure for paralysis is in living, not walking. And I subscribe to that. It's in my books. And too many people, as you stated. Are worried about walking again and not living and I, not for one minute did i put my life on hold mm-hmm. so i got hurt my my last uh, semester of high school i graduated high school on time and that summer i started going to junior college um, there was no stopping i mean and, and there was and no sympathy there was no you know it was just move get up and move forward what's sure. what's the next step so right. you know uh, my my dad is old school irish and you know, just move forward. My mom's Irish and, you know, there was just no complaint. You didn't grow up that way as a kid. Right. So th- that wasn't going to happen. So I just kept moving forward. I, I dated. I It took me a bunch of years to drive again, but I graduated from junior college and I went to St. Xavier University, graduated from there, went on to law school. I just kept looking for the next thing. Um, if walking was going to happen, I figured it'd be by the grace of God. If that's what he wants, that's fine. Right. But in the meantime, I, like you, I don't talk about it. I don't think about it. No, I, I don't. No. Care. I mean, so I mean, I, I appreciate when people send me links to you know the the brand new secret surgery in Mexico. I'm not going to go to Mexico, so you know you can stop doing that. You can just enjoy my company and we'll, we'll hang out. I know your heart's in the right place, but it's really not a thing. And I can also guarantee you that if there was a cure for this, there's some I don't know two hundred thousand people that are in our situation in this country. It would be front page news, and then you know we would all get it figured out and everything else. And you know, um, I've had talks in the gym with my sons. I said, you know, the day that 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 ever happens, because they'll bring it up, and I'm like, the day that ever happens, I'll be in the gym, like, because I'm gonna get, you know, I'm gonna be the first guy running again. Like that's gonna be the way. But until it happens, I'm not worried about it. I got things to do. It won't happen in our lifetime, and it might right. not happen in the next person's lifetime because there's no money in curing people. No, there's right, no money right. in curing people. I, 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 right. be, I believe they have a cure for cancer, but you can't make money curing cancer. You right, can make a lot right. of money through 
medicating people through putting them in the hospital, through trying to keep them alive for a while until until their body naturally gives out. But I believe there's cures for a lot of things out there. We won't see a cure for paralysis. There's no money in it, and that that may right. sound jaded, but I re- I, to yeah, some I don't degree, know how I right. I, you know, see with the paralysis, I always kind of believe the same thing. But paralysis, if I really look at it. I think there would be money in it. I think there'd be first money in the therapy to get it done. And then, like, people don't understand that if you don't walk for just a couple years, you'd have to retrain your brain completely to do that again. I mean, if the day that they had that, if, if it was tomorrow, we'd be like infants. We'd have to learn how to do the whole, the balance, everything would be all brand new yes. again. So you'd be, you'd be looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars just in therapy um, per person to, to get done. You know, we're honestly right. Cancer is another one that mm, if they came out with a cure where they could just shoot you with a shot and then you were cured, well, now you're done. Where when you have cancer, you're chemo and you're constant. Right. So that, it's a little bit different. And that, I mean, you know, you're basing that just on cowboy logic, you know, sort oh, totally. of right thing like totally. that where you're just right. I mean, it's it, and it's a conspiracy theory that I think a lot of people subscribe to. But I'm not positive if it's if it's true or not. I mean, you know, before we had uh, penicillin and all the other stuff, there are there no, you are, had polio. You had right. Pneumonia, there are still good doctors out of, there that would right. give something away. You know what I mean? As far as that goes, I mean the yeah. uh, the the polio virus and the um, penicillin were things that the guy said, "This is too big for the world." They, you know, this I don't want the patent. This is free. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if that'll happen. I just don't want the – I'm fine if it does. I'm fine if it doesn't. It, I don't want the perception for other people to be that I'm spending my life looking for that. Like, that's not what I'm doing. Like, you know no, – You're living I, your life. You, you're, you're living life. If you ever notice, I see parents that have children that are paralyzed or something like that, and they're living their life to try and find that cure for the – and maybe they should refocus their energy on living their life to make the quality of life that is out there right now better for that. I mean, everything that I do around my world, um, I love flat work when it comes to like uh, concrete work. And uh, I got the driveway put in last uh, spring here and it was gravel before that. Having asphalt and having concrete sidewalks and having ramps and that's all awesome because I can go everywhere and do everything I want. We put the deck out that goes over the water. Um, we put this other deck on on the back over here. We set up a set, uh, outside spot that's got uh, a TV outside so we can have movie night outside. Everything that I want to do, so we got a fire pit out there. I'm like, hey, boys, instead of going camping, camping, which we do go camping, camping, I go, we could just, you know, crash out outside here and, you know, it'd, awesome. be, it'd be awesome. So because traveling, I don't know how you are with it. I've had to do it for wrestling. I've had I've done it on a couple of vacations just for like you know with it with a girl just to go to Reno, go to um, went to Memphis, went to uh, Lake Tahoe. Still, like that. flying's a huge pain in the ass. Yeah, we we've been our our vacations revolve around driving. Yeah. we've driven to Florida seven eight times, maybe more. We you know we were all over North Carolina, Colorado. Uh, you name it, we'll drive there as a family. Sure. Um, it's harder now. My, my older son's out of the house, got a great job. He's taken an awesome path as a parent you like to see. So now it's the two younger ones. Um, but everything that, like you, that we've done 
revolves around the kids. I coached for 22 years. Now, half of those years, I didn't coach my own kids. I just loved coaching. I loved sports. And that was my way of staying involved with it. And then as the kids got older, I did coach each one of them for a little bit of time. Uh, and you do live through your kids. I mean, you, as you well know, you do anything for them. Absolutely. And the best thing we can do is create our lives around them. Well, we can because they're going to grow up and they're going to be their own person. Yeah. I, now, I don't. Uh, one of my least favorite uh, cliches is that uh, everything happens for a reason. I hear that and I want to like you know punch them in the throat because uh, that's nonsense and it's nonsense. It, it's a perfectly fine thing to say to somebody who loses their job because they're going to get another job and everything's going to work out. But when there's people out there that you know have a child that's got leukemia, don't say that shit because it's a stupid thing to say. So do you, does it bother you as a quad? For somebody to say that. Well, I I don't want to. They they think it's comforting and it's not. It's it's not. A, that's not a thing. No matter what. No matter what happened in my life, I would find a way. I'm that person, so I'd find that way around it. It doesn't matter what. If I would have uh, got both legs chopped off, that would have been a far easier thing than what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so, but I still would have found a way around that to to live my normal life. So don't say that because I know firsthand plenty of people that are in our situation. That didn't go on. They shut down. They're living somewhere where they're just watching TV all day long and not doing anything. They stayed living with their parents like they were a mentally retarded kid or something like that. And it's like, hey, you're not. You can. You know, go do. Now, that's their choice to do. But saying everything happened for a reason, is not. it's not a comforting thing. It's not a, like, and there's there are six million Jews that died in the Holocaust that would argue that one. There's, you know, a, a little 11-year-old girl that got kidnapped when she was eight and tied to a bed in a shed somewhere. Some guys come out there molesting her every day. Everything didn't happen for a reason. So, like, that's a nonsense thing to say. Um, now, can I glean things that are good because of, now, I want to say because, Things that I made lemonade out of lemons with in my situation. Yes, I worked at one time, at one time, 84 hours a week. We worked six 12s and one 10. No days off. We were killing it at work. I know that I would have kept up those sort of schedules for as long as I could, neglecting my kids and my family because I was chasing the dollar. And hey, when I saw that, tax return at the end of the year. I felt good about what I was doing. But you don't need $200,000 to put shoes on someone's feet or put a roof no. over their head. I would have made those excuses. And when I became paralyzed, I looked at other things like, okay, look at this is a challenge. Um, with these hands like spatulas, I'm going to teach my kids how to tie their shoes. So go figure that out. Teach them how to tie their shoes. And I did. Being a guy in a wheelchair, I taught my all three of my kids how to ride a two-wheel bike. People look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It just takes stopping for a second and thinking about how am I going to do this without being able to run behind them with my hand on their ass. I totally agree. So right. I have coached football for years, and the position that I've coached longer than anything else is a, is quarterbacks. Okay. So imagine a guy in a wheelchair trying to teach somebody how to throw a ball. How to throw, not just well, throw a ball. Being a quad, too, because I can't throw shit. No, I, right. I, not just throw a ball, but, you know, footwork is so key to being a quarterback. Sure. Using your hips to throw the ball, making sure you're squared up. Uh, same thing with basketball. And uh, you, I became a way better coach because I had to learn 
to get the, the people I was coaching to understand verbally how to do things. Right, right. And once they but, understood the why. Boy, we're, so we're, I just yeah, we're so, so I, I can tell you. No, it's crazy. Just, you know, like a lot of dads do, just throw it over the plate. No, I just can't tell you to throw the ball 50 yards. If I want to explain the, the, the reason that you have to plant your feet a certain way, the reason you have to bring the ball back and you can't sidearm it, and the reason you have to come over your ear, and the reason that your hips have got to be turning because that's where you get your power. I mean, once you got done explaining it, lights went on in kids that I think a lot of people made assumptions that they wouldn't get the mechanics. But is you know, with probably your wrestling background, mechanics is everything. Right. So I coach wrestling, and I've coached wrestling for eight years, and I don't coach my kids. I coached one season where I coached my kids, and it was their eighth grade year because it was the last year they're going to be in the youth stuff. Now, um, there's two different kinds of coaching in wrestling. One is coaching in the room where we're teaching them how to do something, and the other one is mat side coaching, right? So you know you're sitting the two coaches in the corner and you're you're hollering at the kid this and that and everything else um i'm better in the room than i am mad side just because my like projection of my voice is not as great as it would be if i could use my full diaphragm power which i don't have um also i think it forced me to be a better teach so a wrestler has to be able to take a technique that he learned in the room and then use it on the mat and he's going to have to all the wrestling coaches have this thing where they want to get right down there and grab the kid and move his hand and put it over here and everything like that. And I'm like, listen, first off, I can't do that. Secondly, can you do that in a match? No. It's got to be instinctual. It's got to be instinctual. And it's also got to be a verbal command that I'm going to holler and he's going to do. So if you don't understand what I'm telling you to grab his wrist, then me putting your hand on it's not going to help you understand that. So, um, you know, in wrestling, you need to take verbal commands and in the room with me, you need to take verbal commands. I need to explain it to you this way. And then my thing was, similar to what you said, I was coached to an objective. So I make sure that the guy understands, listen, you're putting your arm here because he's going to do this and then you're fooling him into it. And the light comes on like, oh, I get it now. So like the more that you can explain to them exactly what they're doing, like what's the objective to what I'm doing? The why. The, the why. Why don't you right. explain that? Yeah. It's amazing. I don't care if the kid's 12 years old. You, it, the light will go on. I think but I think a lot of coaches that maybe aren't in our situation, they want to do it by mimic. They want to show them a display of it. Like it looks like this. And then it's amazing to take, if you take two coaches that have wrestled for a bunch of years and you do a double leg takedown, you do it five times in front of the kids, and then you send all the kids out to do it, it looks totally different when they do it. It's a mess. Because you didn't break it down into every little, we all, I always say it's the uh, the assignment that you got with the make the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, where you gotta take the lid off of the jar of peanut butter, get the knife, put peanut butter on the knife. You know, like you gotta explain. No, you gotta it. break it down into it, right, bite-sized pieces small, that small, are un- right, understandable, right. And, and it can be done for anything. Sure. I have two kids that played in high school and AAU basketball. I trained and coached them most of their skills right now that they were at camps of course and they did their summer camp thing but the time we spent at a park just going over meticulously because it would drive them nuts because you know what do you do when you throw what does a kid want to do when you throw them a ball they want to go and shoot a three-pointer and and stand out there and just launch the ball never knowing why they're not 
doing what they need to do right. Sure. Um, it's same thing with free throws. I mean, we worked ad nauseum at free throws. Why? Because it's crazy important when you look at games won and lost and how many are won and lost by uh, poor free throws. And, and the things you can control and teach are amazing if you just take the time. And it might be, that might be an advantage to being in the chair. I've spent so much time watching, reading, learning, um, I just didn't go. I wasn't a quarterback. I wasn't a great, good. I wasn't even a great athlete. Um, good at best, and, and yet I have three kids that surpassed me and sure, what they sure, can do sure. tremendously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think some of that is uh, I, for my guys. I think it's opportunity. My, um, I haven't run across a wrestler yet that didn't have an immense parental support system that was really and when i say parental support i've talked about this a bunch on the podcast i've had coaches on the podcast i do not mean you screaming at the sidelines that's not support i know little johnny can hear you out there screaming go johnny that's i don't know what that's for that that that, it's nothing in fact i'm pretty sure most kids are mortified by that situation so don't do it but it's this. It's really the wallet. It's the time. It's the driving. It's the going places. As you well know, they're family obligations. You know, if one kid does something, that's a family obligation. Sure. If, if you're doing it right, it because yeah, it just going. You know, yeah. we dragged our youngest one to all of my older son's games and to my daughter's games and whatnot, and that becomes a family obligation. Right. We and and we made family time of it. We you know if she had a tournament up in Wisconsin, we'd run hotel. We'd have. We'd enjoy it and sure. try to make it. This is what family does, right? right? You spend time together. You support each other. Sure. You go, you go through the good times together. Right. You go through the bad times together. Right. And those are lessons they don't get any other way. No. It do, it's not about money. Right. Now, not did about, your kids learn any lessons from, like, I think it, I still find a champ. My sons know me as the as as dad, and I've always been in a wheelchair as far as they're concerned. They were a year and a half old when I broke my neck. So they don't know me any differently. There's times where I have to say, hey, you understand that to get you to this tournament, I have to get up at 4 a.m. this morning because I have to shower and do everything I have to do before I even wake your butt up to get in the car at 6 a.m. to go. And then when I get them in the car, they go to sleep, and then I'm, I'm up then. So, and then, um, so with the wheelchair thing, for me at least, and like I said, I don't ever want to speak for anyone else, um, if I'm up for i sleep about six hours a night that that's generally all i need but i cannot be up for 18 hours and down for six because my feet swell up pretty bad and i don't wear like ted hose or anything like that i just wear regular clothes um so you know at some point i got to get my feet up in the air because this is not going to work out like if i had a whole weekend of just six hours down i'd be a mess but you know Kids don't seem to get it. They're oblivious of stuff, especially when they get used to things. Well, I'll, I'll tell you because I have, I have a 25-year-old and my daughter's 19 and my son's 17. Your boys being seniors, uh, like my son, they're at that age where they it, they don't, you, you won't see the appreciation until they're 23 to 25. Because my older son now, I never thought he'd be as appreciative as he is, yeah, and the stuff that comes out of his mouth, we look at each other and go, "You just said what? Like that came out of your mouth?" Yeah, or right. he'll, he'll, he'll correct the other two, and he'll look, and I'm staring at him, going, "I don't know you. Like, where were you five years ago when you were 17?" Right, and it, it, it'll come, and man, 
they get, they'll get it, and it is just an ama- it's amazing. Oh, I'm sure it's a terrific. Thing. I my my uh, my one boy got interviewed uh, when he was I think a freshman or a sophomore by the newspaper. They did ten questions with Peyton Geigner, and the ten questions were. I can't remember exactly what they were, but like three of them in there were like very flattering towards me. They were like, my dad taught me everything I know. My dad's my inspiration, this kind of thing. And I was like, holy cow, I got it. You know, choking back the tears. And I looked at him and I go, hey, all the mornings I took you, everything I did for you were even. We're, we're totally even, kid. No, you're not even yet, but yeah. you'll get there. But Trust I'm just me. saying, like, wow. No, I know. I, I was not yeah. expecting that out of a 16-year-old yeah. kid. You know what I mean? So, uh, I, you know, happy to see it. I, I really... I've gotten so much enjoyment out of doing things. Uh, I would say my sons are, with a with just a little bit of me watching them, they're pretty much carpenters. Everything that's done in here, this place was gutted. They did all, all the work inside here. I mean, the fish tank, every, all, everything that's built, they did everything. Um, the, all the flooring, you know, everything that was done, they, they did it. Um, See, so I grew up in the trades too. Okay. So I never would have went to college if I didn't get hurt. So, trades guy, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah. all my all my dad's friends were pipe fitters and, and electricians and, and tile guys and whatnot. So right. I, I was an average student. I mean, if it wasn't for guys like me, there'd be no upper class. Right. And I wasn't the sharpest tool by any stretch. Um, and then when I got hurt, I, I mean, obviously being a pipe fitter wasn't going to happen. So, I mean, I'm first-generation college. I, we had to take a different path. Well, yeah, right. You had to you use your... So my business was... Um, I was general contractor, and I was a guy that worked, you know, with my guys. I had a tool belt on every day. Now I had responsibilities that my guys didn't have, as far as sales and contracts and prints and everything else that I had to do. So there were times where I'm like, "Hey, I need like two hours. I gotta write these estimates. I got, I gotta get in the truck." And I'd sit in the truck and be writing out whatever I'm writing out while they're doing what they're doing. But I could always look at my job and be like, "All right, this job we're running behind. I've got all this work booked." I would throw my body into the job and get further ahead, and then I could go back to my paperwork or do whatever I had to do. So, um, I mean, the day that I broke my neck, I actually had two sets of prints that I had to figure up and an estimate sitting in my truck, and I was like, all right, can I get up there on the scaffold and get them further ahead this morning, like work until like 11 o'clock, and then I'll go take care of this, or I'll just go right now and take care of this. And I was really behind the paperwork, and I decided to get on the scaffold because I wanted to get this job done so I could get to the next job, chasing the almighty dollar again. And um, I was probably up there 30 minutes, and the scaffolding collapsed. It threw me up in the air, and then I dove into the ground. So um, I broke my neck, and I mean, I knew that I broke it well. Um, like I was looking at my body in a way that I'd never seen my body before. Like my head was cocked back. Wow. Um, and I was wide awake. Um, I didn't think I was going to make it because... All of a sudden, my diaphragm wasn't working anymore. It was hard to breathe. It was real hard to breathe. And uh, then, you know, I was taken to the hospital. And I was really cool with, like, listen, if this is where it ends, I was uh, 30 years old, then this is where it ends. This is not what I wanted, but this is how it goes. You know, like, I was not, like, I don't even today, um, like, my sons and I have talks about death and stuff. And I'm like, it's part of life. So when it happens, it happens. I go, we need to do everything that we can with the time that you have because you're going to leave a legacy. You're going to leave something behind. There's going to be people that talk about you after you're gone. And what you do in this period here, it's like that whole uh, thing with the tombstone. It's the dash that matters, right? It's the part yep. in between. Between the first date and the last date. Right. What you do? So 
Um, and I'm not a, a religious guy. I'm I'm agnostic. I don't tell you that there is no God, but I don't have one. And I mean, I'm um, educated in it. I took four years of a study on like theology or you know Christianity, religion, where I had homework and everything else. Like I I knew I know my scripture. I just never found anything there that showed me that there was something that was really like I don't think there's an invisible man in the sky sort of thing watching me. No, he's uh, above the sky. He's not in the sky. Right. He's above the sky. And un unlike you, I'm, I'm very faith-driven. Uh, right. I get that from my mom. Although, you know, and I, I, it started, we went to Catholic grammar school. Sure. So back in, in the late 60s, early 70s, you were taught by nuns. And then I went to an all-Catholic high school, St. Lawrence, and had an awesome four years. And you were taught by the Christian Brothers of Ireland. And that's not where your faith comes from. Your faith, and, and I see a lot of people out here in the suburbs that they think their kids are better because they went to a Catholic school. If that stuff doesn't happen at home, oh sure, it, sure. It, going yeah, to I Catholic school doesn't I mean, make you any better. Right. My dad was a, a altar boy, and like you know, we grew that, up like Catholic said, religion. He went to, yeah, yeah, went to Leo. All that stuff. I grew up with it. My my if my you know eat, my grandmother was sitting there, she'd be mortified that I'm not. My mother is very religious right now. Um, I just, I don't know, like I, the time I've had to like critically think about it, it's hard for me to, some of the stuff that's in there, especially the dogma of it just doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, there's a God out there that doesn't care about starving children, but he cares who I bump uglies with. This is what he's hung so up on. So why is it God that doesn't care? If there's a God, there's obviously a counterpart to God. No, I'm just saying. So why, do I, why does everybody blame what's bad? You know, Kobe's plane crashing, kids starving, stuff like that. Why, maybe it's not God doing that. Oh, no, no. I understand that right from the from the classes that I took and everything else that, you know, uh, in the book, it's you're, it, like we're supposed to care about... Uh, um, are now we're supposed to care about where, you know, what's going on on the planet right now is not under his control. It's under it's under the, you know. Well, he gave us free will, and that's where we fall short. Is we can't, right. we could never, never anybody on earth will ever live up to the standard, following the Ten Commandments that he set. Sure, um, we just won't because we were given free will. Yeah, I, honestly, I think I, I I had this talk with uh with uh, Bill Mosier too, and we're gonna have uh, I'm gonna have a I'm trying to get his uh, uh, Episcopalian priest on the podcast to talk about religion, and I'm not like I don't want to I don't ever I would never want to take uh like uh, that away. Like I'm never gonna argue that there like I'm not atheist, so I'm not gonna argue that there isn't. Um, and like my mom. It's the cornerstone of her life. She's her friends are there. Like it's what you know. She and it makes her happy. So like by all means, do it. I personally believe it's fairy tales that you're believing in. It's nonsense. Um, there is no scientific evidence that ever said there was a worldwide flood. That's not a. And then you get some of the things that turn me off about Christianity are Christians. They bother me. It's the museum in Missouri with the ark. You know, in that museum, there's a dude riding a triceratops or a triceratops because, you know, you're a guy of faith. If you read Genesis, the animals were created after Adam, and he named them all. So there are no animals. Like the way that it was created in the, in the six days and the seventh day of rest, um, all dinosaurs and everything in the fossil record had to exist at the same time. If you take a literal, you know, uh, interpretation of the Bible, so 
we have scientific fact that proves that that's not how it was. We're millions of years apart from dinosaurs. That's we we did not coexist with dinosaurs. Now, if you believe that, that's fine. You know, I don't want to. I'm not gonna. I wouldn't argue that. But if you want to actually talk about what's factual, and then nowadays, that's one of the things that actually kind of drives me nuts about the world. We live in a world where everybody says things that like, uh, if I say humans didn't exist with dinosaurs, the guy look at me and go, "Were you there?" Like, no, I don't have to be there for that. We have ways of, I mean, and then you get Christians that say stuff like, well, how can you depend on the way that we date things? We only have one way, carbon dating. I'm like, well, that's not true. We have three ways. We have carbon dating. We have the nuclear life of a stone, which is half-lifed over, over a certain amount of time. And then we also have... Uh, Oh, there's a, I don't remember what the third way is. But there's three ways to date something. And when you do it three ways and you find out it's the same for all three, then you know it's that old. So we know that dinosaurs and man did not, we know factually that dinosaurs and men did not live together. So why is there a place down there in Missouri where they got an ark and they're talking about like T-Rexes on why? the Why? Because somebody stuff. had, their faith is stronger than their doubt and they wanted to build that. Right, I'm guessing. Right, right. I don't know. Well, I mean, for me, I, right. I don't want know, to live I, like that. I don't. I, I, I have a thing where I want to live. I want the advancement of the human race, and I want, if we're all a bunch of snake charmers, in my mind, believing in nonsense like that, because that's nonsense. It's not factual science that says that that happened. So, There's a lot of facts about Jesus actually being living and things that happened that are backed up by numerous written uh, I'll call them scrolls by numerous different uh, religious backgrounds, but I, I'm not going to get into religious. No, 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 I agree no, no. with you right. because it, I would never force my faith on anybody. I'm right, Irish, right, right. I'm, I'm Irish right. Catholic. I would never, right. I would never force. I would never I, try and pry anyone's faith away from them. No, sort of I, 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 you know, if you're an atheist, if you're agnostic, that's great. I'm not here to do that. That's not what. Right. That's that's not what here. If my faith helps me get through bad times, giddy up. If, right. if going to work out helps you get through bad times, right? So there's where I, right. So there's where I, I I find myself in a quagmire when somebody loses a loved one. I find that a time where they really need to believe that that loved one goes on to something else or move, like there's a, a heaven and all that. My problem is if it, like I I love to have I do the podcast because I I really like to have conversations and even conversations like this when I don't. I gravitate towards conversations that I don't agree with the person more than conversations that I agreeing is boring. It's like it's no, like I'm not going to learn anything if we both are right. like, yeah, exactly, right, right, exactly. Like I, I that doesn't make any sense to me. So like I move towards like if I'm out somewhere and I know a guy is got a political view that's not mine, then we're gonna have a talk because I want to talk about what you how'd you get here like. Because and the other problem with the world nowadays is, you have news that if you watch one set of news and you watch another set of news, you could believe totally different things. We're so misinformed; it's, it's not even funny. But it's justified that you believe the thing you believe because sure. all day long you listen to this and all day long he listened to that, and I think so. That's by design. They'd like to pit people against people so that you don't. You know, do you need something? Do we gotta, totally? No, I'm good. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, what can I? A bathroom. Oh, right down this hall, mm -hmm. and then make the first left. Uh, so, so I, you know, for me, 
I think a lot of people, I have a, one of my best friends growing up. I absolutely love the guy. If he needed anything, if he needed a place to live, he could live here. We don't get along on social media because our political views are different. And he can't separate his emotions from that situation. I absolutely can. Some of my bestest friends have a different political view than I do. And I mean, I've noticed on social media, I think you're a bit of a Trump fanatic. No. Uh, oh no! No, I, I'm a conservative. Oh, so you, you hate Trump? No, I don't hate him. I, I okay. think he's a meathead. Okay. Okay. I mean, he he's no, I, 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 people a, that I know that are real conservatives don't like Trump at all. Yeah, because yeah, he's, he's not a conservative. He's like, that's, he's, he's he's a meat he, he, he's a meathead. He is not your most. Uh, he is not the picture of what you would like as a president in a perfect world. By no, any God, stretch. Not even in a but I believe he cares about world. this country more than our last president did and more than anybody else running at the time. We had we just went through the tallest midget presidential race. It, it was Hillary or was, him. Right. And that it, was like what, the tallest midget. Yes. It was like the, the worst of two evils. Right, which one do you right, want? Which I so that's hated the way that, I view Trump. Right. I don't I hated that him. argument. I hated that I hated it from the the, the beginning time when I was voting. Like when Clinton was running, I was that was when I first started voting. I'm 48 now, and I hated that logic as to I got to vote for the lesser of two. Why the fuck do well, I do that? I, we're in a we country of 300 million fucking people. How come I can't why? find we've somebody? We've settled. We've settled oh. and allowed this. Yeah. So a lot of my stuff you'll see. Yes, I support a lot of what Trump does. Not because I think he's awesome. He's a meathead. Here I'm saying it. Mm-hmm. He is a genuine meathead. But who did we have at the time? Right, right. I mean, no, honestly, I, I, it was the tallest midget contest, right. and I did. And I'll subscribe that he was the best person to get us out of future horrific things that are going to happen in this country. Still, he's our best. So, like wars, you're saying? Because I no. believe. Oh, okay. No, so wars I believe are that be around forever. That okay. is a financial thing. They've been around since our country had started. Right. Right. I yeah. believe that uh, Hillary Clinton was far more a hawk. Than Trump was, as far as that goes, and he had the rhetoric. Not my problem with I, I am I am absolutely not a I'm not a Trump hater, but I'm absolutely not a fan in any way, shape, or form. And I don't like him from the beginning to the end. Like I don't like the rich kid. I don't like the person that's never been given anything. Uh, I spent a good portion of my adolescence and then into my twenties, pretty much looking at a guy. To see, like I played some poker, but I boxed and I fought a lot. And I'd look at him and be like, nah, you ain't that guy. And we'll go out in the parking lot and find out. But I'm going to tell you, you ain't that guy. We're, we're, we're going to go figure that out. But uh, Trump's not the guy. Like he he puts on the tough guy persona. He's the rich kid that wouldn't fight his own battle. If it, you know, like if it came to a fisticuffs, he's not. That's not him. That's not his thing. We're making assumptions. So this uh, I, I can make an assumption, a pretty good educated guess on a guy that, so, so that this lives is what's that structure in life. And maybe you agree, maybe not. Nobody before Trump won the election, nobody took him serious and thought he would win. And there were not the kind of haters out there. All of a sudden he wins. Now all of a sudden you've got all these Trump haters. And I just find that interesting that you 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 didn't care about his dealings Five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, one year ago. I would try and justify some of it, though. Like, if you're a woman, uh, I I don't get the the woman that that supports him because 
he's got a track record of if you listen to his Howard Stern uh, interviews they were about women they're the most loathsome he's a terrible human being I'm it, sorry I mean he says things about women that is like unbelievably bad he said have you, have you ever said anything that you're not proud of uh Never on a never on a yes I have for okay, sure and so have I we uh, all but have. but wait wait but that you're there's levels to this thing I would never say what he said on a radio show that millions of people are listening to first off and I'm not planning on ever running for public office and secondly no even the things that he said for me generally what people say in public is a filtered version of what they say in private I agree if if that's the case with this man. I don't want to hear what he said in private because he said things like he goes behind the the stay the scenes in the dressing room for the women getting dressed. And I can because I run the the the, the pageant and stuff like this. He's the, the but don't like, you think some of that is bravado in him beating his chest years before he ever thought about running for office? I mean, let's keep that in context. We're talking right, about which, that like it just happened the month before or during his presidency, or during while he was running. When you look at that, there are things I'd be ashamed of for my mom and dad to hear that I have said. Oh, God. I, well, no. I grew up with the Marine as a father. I could okay. probably say uh, whatever the fuck I wanted to say. Yeah, I, I couldn't. Um, I mean, and, and my, like parents, my My dad was one of those guys that's like, I don't believe in bad words. No fucking thing is, such a thing is that. Like, and I didn't hear my dad use the F-bomb until I was in my 30s. Right. So, right, I mean, right. my parents just didn't. Yeah, so different. They, they right, didn't. Different. Um, right. and, and whatnot. So, I think... People, but the bravado thing that you're saying, yeah. that's part of what makes me draw the conclusion that you're you're full of shit. You're a bluff. You're not the guy that you say you are. Because I don't need bravado. I was the guy that walked around not saying fucking shit, but cross me and you're gonna you're gonna get knuckles. Is what's gonna happen. You don't. You don't. And I might not need the bravado shit, but right. this country does. And I think we were at a point where this country needed it because we had been brought down to a place of bowing down to all these countries. Look what Trump did with North Korea. I mean, he had conversations with North Korea that no other president could even come close to. Why do women love him? There are more women now in high positions in government than ever before. Trump's well, done that. Now the you North say, Korea thing, nothing's gotten done, though. But at least we couldn't even talk to them. Now at least there's discussions happening. It's a step in the right direction. And I, trust me, I'll say it again. He is a solid 100% meathead. But he is our meathead right now. Yeah. And we got we to gotta support that until somebody better comes along. And right now, all I see are more midgets. And I don't know if yeah, there's anybody I, sticking I, out. I, I have a guy that I like on the other side now. And I voted for, I held my nose and voted for Clinton because I just looked at someone with, if I wanted plumbing work done, I just don't hire a guy who saw it on TV sort of thing and like see if he can do it. Um, and then, like I said, we're watching probably two different newses too. I don't see a guy now that's competent. I don't see a guy that's stable. I see a guy that's uh, that's an immature child um, on there throwing insults at people constantly. And I don't know how productive that is. And I also see this uh, like this impeachment thing that's going on as you know they say things like it's it's not a bipartisan impeachment. But I look at it like it's not a bipartisan impeachment because you've got an entire Republican Party. Because he's got a 90% approval rating with the Republican Party, He, they're walking in lockstep with a guy who did the wrong thing. They're not even allowed to say what the truth is. And the truth is, is, listen, if you want to defend what he did by saying what he did wasn't right, but it doesn't rise to the level of impeachment, I get that. I can all, totally agree with that statement. 
saying things like Trump says it's a perfect phone call. Obviously, it was not a perfect phone call. You released what we're all, for some reason, calling a transcript. It's not a transcript. It's what it's a cherry-picked summary, not a transcript. A transcript would be a word-for-word, verbatim for the conversation. That's not what it was. You still released something to the public that said, Mr. President, we're ready to buy more Javelin missiles. I'm going to need you to do me a favor, though. That's not a perfect phone call by any stretch of the imagination. But the Republican Party can't say that it wasn't a perfect phone call because they'll be saying the emperor's not wearing any clothes. And that's not that. That's really not how our republic should work. It shouldn't be this way. And if you were to balance out what the ironic thing that's going on with this impeachment is, you have Ken Starr on the news today, doing standing up in the Senate, doing his whole spiel today on why this president should not be impeached, when this is the exact same man who said that Clinton should be impeached for lying about a blowjob. Now, one thing has got some national security issues. The other one, lying about a blowjob, is only going to piss his wife off. I do not give a shit whether Bill Clinton lied about a blowjob or not. I just don't. It doesn't matter to my life. It's not going to change anything. But if the leader of Ukraine can blackmail my president, it does matter to all of us. You're making a lot of assumptions that... I don't think I'm making one assumption. Well, he said he's what blackmailing he said. No, 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 but it's a that... possibility he could be blackmailed because this is not a correct phone call, right? You can't you can't say you got to do me a favor though. You can't say that to a, another leader. That that and and the favor can't be uh, I would say no matter what part of the spectrum you're from, what we're all interested in is the sovereignty of having actual elections, right? I want to have an election where my vote matters. It, it doesn't anymore. Right, that's I, a problem I, for me. And whether you like them or not, it doesn't. And, right. and, and well, yeah. I, mean, I don't want to not like them either. What I want to do is deal with facts, facts, not emotions. I don't, I don't yeah. want to have a tribe that I belong to. What happened? Nothing. Oh. No, and, but, but unfortunately, as we, we talked earlier, we don't even know if the facts were, we can debate are true. I mean, well, that's how frightening our media has gotten. I'm only, I, the only thing I gave true. you was what he released. This is what he released. And this is what he's really, you know, admitted to in the, you know, in the situation. So, and even with just that, and then today Michael Bolton's thing came out that said that he personally told Michael Bolton that, this was tied. The, it was a quid pro quo that there, there were the aid and the White House meeting were tied to Zelensky coming out and saying they're going to start an investigation into Joe Biden. Now, last I checked, I'm I'm no Joe Biden fan. I am not. But last I checked, Joe Biden's not public enemy number one. Not yet. They'd like to make him public. Well, enemy I understand number. that, but I mean, he's not a detriment to the country as far as what I'm saying is, if you were to look the whole world over for corrupt. You know, the, the thing that I like to like to point at is like, okay, here's a guy who is, the fact is, right? It's not fake news. It's not something that can be debated. It's, it's finished in court already. He was ordered to pay $2 million back to a charity that he defrauded, and the charity was shut down. That took away from veterans and disabled people and all this other stuff that this charity did. So this guy's corrupt in that, in that manner. And then he's also the runner of a, fraudulent university that was shut down and you're telling me that this guy's main goal was corruption in another country 
I can't buy it. I'm not buying it. This is a corrupt person to begin with. I think when he heard corruption, he thought maybe I'd get something from a country that's got corruption, and then that's where you'd go. And, and if it was that cut and dry, he'd be out of office already. Well, no, because we walk the Republicans walk lockstep and then make sure that he's not. No different. And than I that. don't want him removed at all. I've said this a million times. Yeah. If it came down to it, now did I think he should be impeached for what he did? Yeah, that's not all. Impeachment is a slap on the wrist. Right. Right. So exactly. should he be slapped on the wrist for for if 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 we're going to allow every president from now on to use the power of his office to help his election, how is that a fair election? That that well, power is fair? immense. How, how is it fair? It's same thing Obama did. Same thing. That, I mean, you don't think that they use their position? Well, no, no. Now, you, now you're assuming. But all I'm saying is, we have a thing that they, that that guy released saying he did this. Mm-hmm. We don't have that from the other gun. So I can't. I'm not going to assume that that's what happened. So you don't think that the presidents who served two terms, that second term, they got in there. I think that any other. Well, no, no. I think it's always easier for them to get the second term because name recognition, right? And you know, if things are going well economically, he's probably going to get reelected, sort of thing. So I think the scales are already tipped in the incumbent's favor. We see that in Congress, right? The guy stays there for 40 years, and he shouldn't be. Okay, what's your opinion on term limits? Well, my opinion on term limits, and I've talked about this on the podcast, it's, and people don't seem to understand this, our Constitution, our framers framed it that way for a reason, because we have co-equal branches of government, right? So they're trying to make a senator equal to the president, so he's the check and balance in the executive branch, right, is the senator. So they don't give him term limits because then he could be around for 20 years and span the life of three presidencies. So... I agree that that's a mistake that the framers made, but that was by design, right? So when people want to hold up the Constitution and be originalists, if you're an originalist, then you're supposed to be sticking with the original thoughts. So then I'm assuming based on that that you're okay with no. people having ARs since and, and weapons since in the Constitution, our Second Amendment said we have the right to bear arms. Okay, yeah, well, I had a whole gun podcast too. I'm a gun I guy. I got it. What's yes. that? No, I mean, we could go on forever. No, 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 right, right. And honestly, I think that uh, when people from, and I I like this and stuff on the podcast, if people from different ideologies can have a talk and then resume another conversation and talk just civilly, that, that's what we need to do because too many people yeah, totally. sit in their bubble, totally. watch Fox News, watch MSNBC all day long, yeah. hate the other guy, shake their fist at him, all this other stuff. And they, they never interact with them and then see that it's – I see people, and it's disturbing to me, when I see um, Trump supporters wearing shirts that say, I'd rather be with the Russians than the Democrats. Wait a minute now. That's half of the country. You're, you're, you're talking about civil war. You're talking about – and you can't have any frame of mind that says – the Russians aren't our friends. They're not. No, they're our competitors. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, we're on this planet comp- competing for resources and everything else. Th- th- there's one thing that's true. That's our competitor. China is our competitor. They're not our friends. So, but saying, going, I think our friends would like us. Russia would love for us to fight like that. You're and talking th- about a handful of meatheads that wear oh, I know, I know, stupid stuff. It was like it's still disturbing hey, to see that. Uh, like I'm like, hey, what well, are you doing? You know, Don't- we, we got meatheads walking into school shooting kids. I mean, the, the yeah. whole country's gotten disturbing. So, in, but, in but so they are thing. They are thing. Yeah. I am. I had a woman on that's a big uh, proponent of the AR. That was what the conversation was about, and she took an angle that was she was going to justify the AR 
by she hunts with it. And I was like, oh, this is hurting my head. I grew up in a hunting culture. You don't hunt with an AR. You don't get an AR to hunt with. She does. And she does yeah, it. And Maybe she's done it. But that, the average, I no, you don't need hunted it. my whole it's, life. Right. No, it's not a necessity. No, and really I told not. her, to listen, if you need to hunt with something that's got a 30-round clip, you're very bad at hunting. You better, yeah, but you might want to work on your aim. Right. And not worry about right. an AR. So um, now it's a free country. I'm a libertarian in, in some aspects. It's a free country. I think that you should be able to have that AR. I think that we should uh, do things. My, my, my problem always lies with if there's someone standing in front of me that's holding a six-year-old that just got shot in a school shooting and I say, nothing we could do about it. I can't do that. Because if I lost one of my kids, that'd be the end for me. Me and you were both through something catastrophic and I can't even... If I was to put it on a scale, losing my child uh, would be way beyond I, any of no, this. I agree with you. Right. I mean, I'd, I'd rather be a quad than lose my kids. Yes, And this absolutely. is a horrendous lifestyle. Absolutely. This right. is, this is uh, every day for us is, is a blood war. It is. And let, let, we'll get back. To, let's, let's jump off the politics thing. But I want people to understand, and I get a lot of, I, I have a pretty good amount of viewers that are regular viewers, and I think they're getting it. I can have completely different political view than someone else and get along with them swimmingly. Like, have day drinking all day long and have a blast. But see, you've learned people. to agree to disagree. And I grew up I don't even know if too. I've done that. I, I, sure. I've learned to respect someone else's feelings on the matter and then try and derive something from what they're saying right. that I can maybe glean something and totally. change how I, I feel about you it. You learn something from everybody. Right. You I can learn something to. from everybody right. if, you're, if you're choosing to. And like you said, that's the difference between listening, which we're horrible at, listening to respond right. or listening to right. get the message. Right. You listen to get the message sure. so that maybe you pull tidbits out of there that make you more aware, more educated. Sure. People who are listening to respond, they're just dying to get that next mouth. They're holding their breath until they can talk next. Yeah. Right. Now, so now we'll get we'll jump back onto the, 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 the being a quadriplegic stuff, but... I like for people to see people have an interaction that's not insane. And if you look at any painting of the framers, they were always in the midst of a debate, but they still all coexisted. They created the country. It worked out fine. This is part of the thing. Uh, I get I get a little bit, um, I don't, I don't say offended, but like, I don't know, side-eyeing people. When I see them on social media and the minute someone disagrees with them, they block them. They've like, I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you acting like that's the, really that person? And I know people that like I've known my entire life. We were great friends growing up. There was no political talk when you're 17 no. years old. And then they find out that, and then all of a sudden that person's a bad person. I'm like, oh my God, you, you got to stop with that. Exactly. Um, but all right, so back to the paralyzed thing. Um, I don't know how you are and I am, but for me, um, I'm in. I want. I, I absolutely am not looking for any sympathy from anybody. But one of the things that goes on with me is I'm in pain all the time. Um, I have what I would equate to like diabetic nerve pain. So like right across my line where I'm injured, my hands feel like they're asleep all the time. Like it feels like someone kicked me in the asleep foot all the time. Um, it's become my normal, so it doesn't bother me the same as it did when it first did. Um, my butt, because I'm sitting on it constantly. If you're in the movie theater for, for a two-hour movie and your ass is killing you, this is how my ass feels all day, pretty much all the time. So I'll play, uh, how, if you're a complete 
at the nipple level, basically yep, chest pretty level. Pretty much, yep. Oh, how do you so you don't think it's a phantom pain in your butt i don't know it gets worse as the day goes on and then if i um i have weird things that i can feel like uh, never like i said everyone so everyone that's paralyzed is different and that's why when if somebody on uh if i have an upset stomach i absolutely can feel that like that's inside like for sure if i go to the the laundry room grab out a hot load of laundry and put it on my lap my legs feel warm and i can feel it wow and it's right. weird. Yeah, that, I can it feel is. it. Um, um, or it tells you how how powerful our, the mind can be too. Maybe I don't know, but I feel and like that, a sense of warmth on there. If I get uh, a roast out of the freezer and put it on my lap, my legs I can feel the cold sort of thing there. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, but you're right though. You could line up a hundred C five six quads. Every one is going to be different. Different, right? Right. Different way. Um, there's a certain, uh, and I, I get sidetracked on the politics thing like forever, but there is a ton. The thing I've had people say to me, uh, well, so what? Now you got to do everything sitting down. And I'm like, well, no, it's no, not that simple. It's not, not that simple. Um, it, it, like, and then, you know, like I try and get people to understand, I don't, I, I really don't live that. Like, I just do my life, do my life. But the thing that sometimes bothers me is the people that are closest to me deal with me doing my life so much that they get used to the fact that I can take care of it and they don't have any appreciation for the fact that this is much harder than what you're doing. Like when I get dressed in the morning, I'm by myself, I get dressed on my own, I am laying out. So my, my situation is I get up, get into a chair that goes in the shower. I go do the bowel program, get in the shower, get out of there, shave, brush my teeth, put on some deodorant, Q-tips in the ears, and I head to the bed, and I get on the bed. So I got the board with the uh, slidey. I don't know if you got like a yeah. it's like a piece of like Lycron or whatever. Yeah. So, um, and it slides my naked ass across the board. I'm onto the bed, and now I'm a naked guy on the bed. I've got my dresser there. I get my clothes out. I wear suspenders because I don't like my pants to uh, fall down. But so all this dressing stuff goes on. I am pretty much laying on my back, and I roll side to side when I pull up the pants. Pull up the pants, pull up the pants, pull up the pants. Now, if I'm in a hurry, I can, in the wintertime, and wintertime's way different because I got a sweater on, I got a long underwear shirt, sometimes I got long underwear pants. If it's really cold outside, I'm going to spend any time outside. I got pants, I got socks, I got a pair of boots on. So, like, that's that's my getting dressed. In the summertime, I'm a t-shirt, shorts, and sandals. No underwear, ladies. Never any underwear. So uh, that's much easier to get. Well, dressed. all I can say is God bless because uh, I you're you're way more independent than I am. Okay, uh, by far. Yeah, but you being paralyzed higher makes a big difference. Yeah, I understand that uh, to some degree, but you're you're way more independent than I am, and and I, I don't think anybody will could even imagine what it takes to do what you do. Because I was blessed, I lived at home until I got married. And my mom would help me get dressed. Yeah, I, right, I, have, right. I don't, I'm not ashamed of it. It no, was what it was. Be. No. Because my path was different. I worked out as much as I could and I went to college. So my schedule was get up at six, get out of the house by seven. I'd be at school till three or four and then come home, do schoolwork, exercise, therapy, and start again. Sure, um, sure. So I never had to be as independent as you, and, and, and I admire that. And 
God bless. I know you don't believe you to. No, no, no. Because I, 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 like that's that's, that's amazing, yeah. and and people have no clue and to a point of to with the way you started this. People have told us you make it look easy. No, I get that a lot. I get that a lot. Oh, I, I don't even recognize. I don't I'll even get, realize you're in a wheelchair because you just come and go. Right. You come into work. You can do. Now your I thing. get that from people who have someone in their life that's in a chair. Like I got another coach that I coach with that his brother-in-law is paralyzed, and he's like. You do so much more than him. And I'm like, you know what? I go, everyone's got the, this guy was a guy that was married when he got paralyzed. She stayed, so she did things for him. Now, if I want to go, I, I I like I like what I like. And I, and I like, if I want to make good food, I'm going to cook good food myself, right? So, like, I got a barbecue pit out there. I cook a roast. I'll cook, um, I cook fish. I, cook, I mean, there's all kinds of meals that I cook my own pasta, my own sauce, all that other stuff. And I mean, like, it's a, honestly, I feel like I got a workout in after I got done doing oh, pasta. Oh, you totally do. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally cut all the onions, cut all the peppers, cut all the parsley. I, I did all that stuff today, and I made that. Now, when I make food, I do it in a way where I make four gallons of sauce. When I make sauce, so it's frozen, I can just take it out and use it later. So we just made chili. Uh, yeah, love same. chili right. and same thing we make it in a gigantic crock pot and like you said just taking the cans from the counter over to where the the can opener is right and getting those opened i, I was winded oh yeah, yeah i mean and yeah, i didn't yeah, do right, anything right, right i mean right. i in life, when you look at life wait you open 12 cans right and, and everything everything that we do it, i would i would equate it to the guy that's going to go run so like most everything that I, I want, I want anybody that's listening to this to instead of feeling any pity or sorry to be encouraged. Okay, listen, if you're able bodied, uh, you're, you're not going to get any excuses around me, right? Like, if, if you're like, hey, I always want to run a marathon, I didn't. I do 10 miles in this chair. This is not a sport chair or anything like that. I just go do 10 miles. Like, I don't give a shit if it takes three hours, but still, for me, the hardest part of doing that 10 miles is the first lap. That first, there's all that, like, I could just, I'm just gonna, you know, I'll stop at the little Cinnabon place and get that instead and hang out at the mall. Uh, But I don't. I go and I do three hours of running, essentially, when I do it. But, um, so, okay, so that, that, you know, that's a whole thing. Like, so every morning for me to get to work, to do everything that I do, and then the other thing that I had with my situation was, I had no support. My ex-wife was in the breeze as soon as we came home. In fact, I got dropped off at the police station. We got into an argument. She's like, I don't want you around anymore. And I said, well, what are you going to do? And she pretty much got in the car, and we went to the Will County Police Station. I got, and I was fine with it. I didn't want to be around anymore either. Got out, and the cop's like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, well, he can't stay with me anymore, so now he's here. So I had to get a hold of my dad. That's the basement I was stuck into. And I went to the basement there for like six months. Wow. It was not a good situation. Um, you know, there's a thing. People are real bad at not seeing the forest for the trees sort of situation. I look at any, I've had three girlfriends since I, since I got divorced from my ex-wife. And all three of them, if you took a step back and looked at what other people thought of that woman, they're like, wow, she's a saint. Because she deals with all this shit. And there is, no pun on words either, a ton no. of shit to fucking deal with. This yes. whole life is a big pain in the ass. It is, it is from the, st- and I'm like, you know, again, this is not me complaining. This is me just explaining. No, but the, what people don't get is, 
we can't, our bodies don't adjust to temperature. So when it's 90 out and everybody's running around and enjoying the sun and sitting in the yep. backyard, if I go sit in that backyard after about 30 minutes, if I don't pour I'm water on like myself yes. and drink, and, and drink right. you know, mass amounts of liquid, yep. I will end up with AD, autonomic dysreflexia, yep. right. Right. that will, will cause heat stroke. Yep. Our bodies don't adjust to the cold, so my legs could stay 10 degrees colder than most people could breathe right. all night because they don't adjust, and, right. and, and, right. and our, our circulation is terrible. Right. That's just the beginning. That doesn't even include the fact that we have you know, probably half our lung capacity. Yep. We, yep. We, yep. we can't control our bowels. We can't control our bladder. We, I mean, it, it, that, like you said, they, that, they see the tip of the iceberg. Right, right. This whole thing is a juggling act constantly. So for me, everything is, is so rigidly scheduled. I don't eat till noon, and then I eat until about 8 o'clock at night. So that's my that's my window of eating. And I found out that works out pretty good for me. And my bowel program situation is every other day. I don't know how you run every other. I, I do it three times a week. Okay, I'm, every, I'm just every other day. So yeah. every other week it changes. If it's one week, it's on Saturday. The next week, it's on Sunday sort of thing. And... My, I structure my food in the same way too. So like when I take my shower on that morning, have my bowel program and everything, when I get out of there, I'll come out, make myself three scrambled eggs, some bacon, and eat that. That's just fine. The next morning's breakfast is like mini wheats. It's something with a bunch of fiber because I need to push everything out the next day so that I'm clear, so I'm fine. Now, I have got it rigged in a way where I don't have that much trouble now i've run across i got a buddy of mine who's quad also and he's a sucker for like a whopper with cheese and like i don't eat any of that shit like i'm not touching any of that i eat super healthy and i try and keep myself on a regular system and it keeps me very very regular he has more problems in that situation than i do but for me it's like maybe six seven times a year that i've got some catastrophic situation that goes on i'm like oh there's a mess that's outside of if i decide to do something stupid like stop at portillo's on you know on like you know so food doesn't affect me. i can eat portillo's and my bowel program is no different. oh i can eat portillo's i just can't or, order or from burger, portillo's or the, no you, no you, you, you my don't. problem is when i order portillo's i buy three sandwiches and i eat way too much like that's you know well yeah my yeah that's and it and taking off weight which you you don't need to do, but that's been my. Struggle, Actually, I'm trying so, to uh, trying to drop just a couple. I'd like to lose maybe like ten, fifteen right now. Because uh, I definitely put some on through the years. Oh and God, it is so hard. Eating yeah, and and whatnot. And I got a great cook over here, and I there love cooking. And I my kids all know how to use the grill. So like you, we'll grill anything from a pizza to a turkey. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, it's right. it's love all good. Stuff. But. Uh, it, it, it's there's so many of these little difficulties behind like you said that just the, the bowel incidents um i'm blessed i probably only have a couple a year yeah right um, but i stay like you said you, i stay very we stay very rigid to a schedule right it and, probably took you i mean you know when i first started oh it was a mess all the time oh, like it was yeah but i've gotten better at it and my life is good yeah. now i have misconceptions when i came out of the hospital and i was going to outpatient therapy to like learn how to do stuff first off the therapist is someone who's giving therapy to everybody they're not just giving therapy to a guy paralyzed like me i had a um, situation where uh, my blood pressure dropped and i was like 
going to faint, right? I was going to pass out sort of a thing. And she goes, where's your catheter? And I go, in my bag. She goes, no, 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 the one you... Like, she thought I was wearing a catheter on me. So you don't wear an external catheter, you self-catheter? I self-catheter, correct. So I wore an external catheter for 35 years. Okay. Um, So I'm going to explain that. So when I... Pretty much, if you found me laying on the ground somewhere and I was dead... You wouldn't know that I was a paralyzed guy because right. I don't have anything on me. I'm just a dude that's, you know, I don't like, um, I don't wear a diaper. I don't wear a catheter, none of that stuff. When I have to go to the bathroom, it's the commercials you just hear on the news, right, where the guy's selling catheters. It is a tube, uh, like a 14 inch or 16 inch plastic tube that I feed up inside of myself. It goes into my bladder and I empty my bladder that way. And then. The tube's disposable. I throw it out. So, like, that's it for me to go to the bathroom. The thing is, is I need to have one of those on me or I can't go to the bathroom, which is, right. you know, a thing you got to remember when you go pack for somewhere to go. Um, where a guy that wears an indwelling is what you're talking about, right? No, He's, I wore an external, which was basically like wearing a rubber. So oh, I didn't have anything oh, in me. It was okay. an external catheter. Got so it, it was like basically putting on a rubber that went to a tube that went to a bag. Got so it. I would okay. just, when my bladder would get full, void, and I just reach down and make sure, you know, I had enough room, and then I'd empty that out. And then about five years ago, my bladder stopped working. So oh, now it's self-cathing. Okay. So, okay, all right. Like you. All right. Except my catheter's a lot longer. I'm not sure what that means. No. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so I've never even, uh, uh, I think I've seen what you're talking about that you had for 35 years. Yeah. So... That never made it a situation where you had to go to the, like, you just had to empty that out then, right? Yeah. Sort of a thing. So if I was at a bar, sometimes I just grab somebody's empty bottle, yeah, 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 it yeah, down, yeah. fill it up, right. put it between my legs, go find a garbage can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a, pl- a plant and a nice pl- planter and there you go, there empty you go, yeah, it in the plant. Got it. Okay, okay. And how was that with, uh, like, I know a lot of guys that do the catheter thing. I don't have any trouble with it, but the bladder infections were, like, terrible. Um, not for the first 20 years. I was so active. And I, I, being active, it's just amazing. I mean, it just what it does, how it helps you. Now your bladder yeah. works. So didn't you feel like you're like, oh man, I gotta pee or like no, uh, no, huh? Because I mean, for me, it's on time. I just, I no matter, it depends on what I'm doing. If I'm, if I'm uh, drinking, you know, for the for the afternoon, then I go more often than than usual. But I get like, uh, like I don't Chills, s- almost like sweaty. Like I don't sweat normally, but then I'll get like, like oh, I get hit the head. Same thing with bound up. Like if if I oh yeah, eaten yeah too much around the holidays sure and sure. my bowel program might be tomorrow and i've eaten like a you know a starving man on a christmas ham for two days sure i'll start to get sweaty and i know that i probably need to do my bowel program. right and we've done it sometimes a day different you know i got all the respect in the world for you like you guys that, that have been paralyzed first i had a guy that i knew named wally ridgeway and wally was 73 when he passed away 73 or 74 he was injured when he was 20 in the military. He dove, they went AWOL off the base in Britain, and they, he dove in, and another guy was swimming up, and he yeah. hit him. And uh, he said for the first two years he was in a bed because they didn't have wheelchairs for him that he could use and stuff like this. And he like there was no technology out there for the guy at, at all. I mean, at least the wheelchair technology has come a little bit further, right? I mean, at some point you were like in a big metal... Oh, my first wheelchair was like an E&J chair that you'd get from the pharmacy. It was... And it was probably... I don't know if it was... Right, like weighed like 70 pounds or whatever. Or it shit. was like 
65 pounds, yeah. 60 pounds. Right. Now they weigh and, like 35. And, and, yeah. Now I'm in a quickie light. It's probably 30-something. What a difference. I mean, yeah. just right. imagine pushing yourself wearing a backpack with 60 pounds on it. Right. And, and, right. and get around right. every right. day. Now, so, I mean, you know, you said sort of like, like I'm thinner, but I'm heavier now than I was 10 years ago as far as that goes. And, I mean, I hit the weights really good, but uh, – um, like this gut thing, like right here, I can't, I can't shake that. Like, I mean, I'd have to do something. It's the quad gut. I, 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 people, right. people ask about. I'd have to do something drastic, drastic, to try and shave that off, and I'd probably look like a Auschwitz guy if I did. And, and you still wouldn't, because you'd have without the muscle. But, there's, right, there's right. Still nothing so to I'm different. If I lay back, everything kind of like. Oh, know, I look great laying down. I'm awesome laying down. I mean, <laughs> I'd even look at myself occasionally, but yeah, sitting up, it all goes. And I, I put on. I mean, I need to drop 40 pounds. Right, right. I've right. been blessed to carry it fairly decent because I still exercise. I do what you do. I, I I don't go to the mall. I ride outside. Yeah. Um. I love the elements. I love the nature paths. Sure. I'll and do I'll, outside in the summer, in the spring, in the fall, but come right, winter. No, well, you're, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if you do not stay that active, you are just setting yourself up. Right. Okay, I'm 40, I'm 40 years in the wheelchair. I've never had a pressure sore. Good. Me neither. Right. Right. Oh. Why do you think? Um, I've never had one since I've been in the wheelchair. But before I was in the wheelchair, you see the back of my head. Yeah. That was a pressure sore, and that was uh, that was pretty much a situation where my 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 hospital situation was not good. My uh, at RIC. Uh, RIC was perfect at uh, Olympia Field or uh, uh, yeah Olympia Fields. Uh. Before that was bad. They put me on a pillow, and the back of my head. I've got a scar on the back of my head. It's a pressure sore because, you know, my ex-wife was there to absorb any affection and remorse that people had for her, but not really for me. So, like, I was in the room in a coma for 21 days. They had a pillow on the back of my... Yeah, well, they put me in a medically induced coma. I don't know why to this day they did that. But um, the back of my head got a pressure sore on it. And what they did to remedy the pressure sore on the back of my head was not remove the pillow like they should have because I was in a halo where I didn't realize this until I was at RIC where they told me. So I had the halo on, right? I got the thing on my chest. Yeah. I got the bolts in my forehead and the, and the sides of my head. Um, essentially, that's a cast for your neck. And when you sleep, you're supposed to just lay flat on your back and sleep on the pins, which your skull does not have nerves in it. You don't feel it anyway. So it would have been fine. What they were doing was kept putting pillows in there, which is oh. bad for my neck. Yeah, no. And then when I started to get a sore, they put a donut on the sore and made the sore bigger. Uh, so like they went all all about it all the wrong way. Um, when I first got out of the hospital, I had somebody come up to me, a uh, sweetheart, sister-in-law, who was like, hey, my husband's got Rogaine to grow hair on his head. I could get you something put on there. I go, listen, sweetheart, <laughs> the least of my problems are this bald back spot in the head. back of my head. I could care less. Uh but no, otherwise no, and I've been blessed with uh, pretty good skin as far as that goes too. Like me I'm too. Thick I've skin. got good. I'm, me too, and and I'm, I talk to a lot of people who've had bad. I mean, where they needed flap surgery, and I, I mean, even in our world, it could be worse. Right now, do you do like pressure releases? I see you moving around a little bit, but I'm fidgety. Yeah. So, like, but do you like just even that? Right. Changes the nature of how I'm sitting. Sure. So, but you know, like bend over, none of that kind of stuff. No, I don't do that either. I, I've been blessed. I could stay up in the chair probably 16 hours a day. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. not longer. Right. Me too. And 
yeah. know, eventually, as I've gotten older, it's been tougher to stay up that long and, and, and work. And, and I joke with people, they ask how old, and I say in quad years, I'm like 95 in quad yeah, years. Right, right, Be, right, you know, right. yeah, because yeah, it's... for sure. Our years are different. Absolutely. Uh, now, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, thanks. Uh, so, okay, so I think being hydrated is a good part of that too. Like I try and keep water in me. As far as they say, that's good for your skin as far as yes. that goes. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've had no issues with that, which is great because... For me, that'd be the end of me. I don't know what I would do if I had to stay well, like on my uh, stomach or something for any length of time. I've had a couple bad incidents of stuff. I shattered both femurs, oh, just my. falling out of my wheelchair because my bones have gotten brittle, right? which kind of sucks. And it, I fell, I mean, 20 years ago, I could just dive out of the wheelchair. Yeah, right. right I just right. fell funny. My legs got caught up under me, so I had to spend three months in a bed. Now, the surgeons, Ooh. the specialists... All came in. They're like, we have no idea what to do. How'd you keep your brain all right with that? Like that'd be the the keeping your mental part. Would Three be months like- hospital bed in the family room, and I had basically soft casts on my legs that we had to open and close continuously so I didn't get bed sores. Yeah. So their concern, which was mine, is okay. I'm not going to walk. Let, let's let's just not worry how straight they are. I'm worried about all the other things that can happen while I'm healing, right? And right. whatnot, bed sores, pressure sores. Because that's the—I mean—that's from your knee to your hip you broke, right? That's the big the, the, bone. The guy said that it would have been like a motorcycle going 100 miles an hour and hitting a wall because they—they couldn't believe I just did it falling and my legs got caught up under me. Yeah, and all yeah, this weight yeah, went down. Yeah. So spending that time in bed was horrific, um, and that's when I wrote my first book. Oh, okay. I had started writing before that. So right. I started writing, you know, when I had a journal from a long time ago. But I thought, well, I've got a little time on my hands. Yeah. I'm not going to be out. Uh, and I'm going to take a, which was the first book? Uh, you don't have my first one. I'm still oh, okay, more okay. But basically, it's it's the prequel to the one you have there. The Rising Up? Okay. Yes. Uh, what you got? I'm going to take pictures of the, of the covers of these on Amazon or anything yes. like that. And I keep, like, you know, if, if somebody brings me something during a podcast, I've got a couple bands that came on that brought me, you know, CDs. This is Bill Moser's book. I keep the books and everything pretty much on the table here um, so people can see them, you know, when, when they're here for the podcast. But uh, so is there something that's different here between, like, what's, is there a sure. theme that's... So there is. So my first book is called Up, Rising Up is the Key to Life. Yeah. Okay. Getting up is the key to life. Right. My bad. So that's that kind of chronicles getting injured all the way through and the successes I had dealing with my injury that I hoped I could bring hope and and uh, some form of understanding of what we go through, but give them hope that it's not all bad. Like you know, you could create these like. So that was the first one. And the second one, Rising Up, kind of took me from like maybe the last 15 years uh, of my life and de- being a quad and dealing with things that you have to deal with. Right. The, the last one that came out uh, six months ago, maybe a little longer, The Quad Father. Yeah. So I figured after 40 years, I'm pretty much an expert. Um, I'm an ex- I've got a, a master's degree at getting knocked down. Yeah, uh, but I've got a, a doctor. My favorite Rocky speech is the one where he says, "It ain't how hard you can hit it; it's how hard you get it and keep you moving it. forward." And and I've got a I've got a doctorate degree on getting back up. 
Right. So I have dealt with the disability world and community for 40 years. I've seen a lot of changes. Sure. And you talk about not wanting sympathy. Uh, I've never looked for it. I've nah. never liked it. I don't like it. Matter of like fact, it. when I got home from RIC and, you know, one of my dads, I quote it all the time because it's interesting and it's true. He said, if you're looking for sympathy, you can find it in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. Yeah, right. So that that's the kind of his, that was the demeanor of my dad. Sure. Not that he wasn't loving and wasn't helpful, but there was no poor me that ever happened in the, in the no, house. No, right. Unfortunately, that poor me, I think, is real prevalent in the disability community. Um, just because you break your neck doesn't mean that your life's over. Just because you break your neck. Some people wear that like a badge. Like they want something. Like I'm disabled now. I think you can and get stuff with that too, though. You can, and I, I choose not to. I see women, like, so I'm a, I'm a single guy, right? Like, and I've been, you know, I haven't been married since I was married before I got injured. I run into women who I won't go to a, a if I go to a beer tent, I got to get out of there for everyone's drunk. Because I get so many women that are smashed and they want to grab me by the face and tell me I'm still beautiful and uh, that, you know, I'm like, listen, I don't need this. Like, would you do this to me if I was walking around? You wouldn't. So would you just not act like this? Uh, But, you know, so like there's a certain sort of like way to navigate through this situation when it comes to relationships. So now for you, you have your kids. They're your kids, right? Your, your you made the children, right? No. Oh, no. Okay, okay. So uh, when I got hurt, you know, there were quads weren't having kids. You couldn't have kids. Right, okay. Actually, we went through quite a bit of testing, and I was able to produce sperm yeah. at a high level and, tr- and have kids. Right. So we inseminated numerous times and did everything through RIC and Northwestern Next Woman. It ended up we, we, we couldn't have kids, but I one thing that I wanted and we both wanted was a family. Okay. Uh, that was non-negotiable for me. We were going to have a family. That's awesome, yeah. One way or another, uh, and it was non-negotiable for my wife. And we adopted. So all three of my kids are adopted. Okay. Uh, Spencer is uh, from the Blue Island area, and we got him when he was a day old. And my daughter, Sydney, is from China, and we got her when she was about a year and a half, 15 months-ish. And then my youngest son, Callahan, is from Guatemala. And we got him when he was five months. Okay. So they're all adopted, and uh, when you ask, they are my they have my bad habits. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah when you right. talk uh, uh, nature nurture thing, man, you can ask my wife or ask my my parents or anybody. Nur- nurture, unbelievable what the kids pick up. Yeah, and, oh, and I bet, I bet. I mean, my younger son's got my sarcasm, and I get blamed. Oh, look, and he said that because of you. And whatnot, but no, I've got three kids that um, I don't care who had them. I couldn't be more blessed to have. Oh yeah, no, kids. no, I'm sure I couldn't even. I mean, if, if somehow I found out one of my kids wasn't my kid, he'd still be my kid. Uh, but so, okay, so now that's a misconception too: is that like guys that are paralyzed can't, right. which is nonsense because I can, you know, have right, kids exactly. the same way anyone else can. Um, so, but I, and I don't want anymore. You know, like I'm, I'm done. But. Uh, but, you know, like, that that's a thing that, like, how long have you been married? We celebrated 30 years. 30 and there's years. another thing, you know, that, you know, and I am, you, you said it earlier, and, and I kind of look this way when they say she's a saint. Um, you know what? She is a saint. I mean, oh, there's no, no doubt sure. right. dealing with me with a disability or without a disability would make a woman a saint. Right. But with a disability, 
and works and takes care of me and raised three amazing kids and is good to her, my parents and good to her parents and all the things you would ever want in a woman um, and puts herself fifth out of five of us in the house, maybe sixth if you count the dog. Right. Um, I've been blessed. And, and, and I say that, I really believe it and feel it. Yeah. That yeah. Way. I, I don't know how else I could have been this lucky. Um, well, you know what they say? That Well, they, they don't say it. It's factual. The statistics say that the divorce rate among people that are in a relationship like that is actually lower than the if divorce. If you're already married. Well, if you're already married yeah. or and if you're just eight, two able-bodied people. Whenever people have challenges in their life and they team up to try and yes. beat those challenges, yeah. it becomes you against the world. They say that interracial relationships are, are have a better chance of surviving because both families don't really like the other you know things, so they become us against the world, and then you do just fine. Uh, you know, when it all comes down to it, uh, like the male vanity thing, you were 17 years old, so you were a young, young guy. Uh, you know, I was 30. I was pretty when I was a kid. You know, like I was a good-looking young man and everything else. When I broke my neck, I was seriously like, man, I fucked up this thing where I was like, like I said, I was a, I was a 195 pounds, six feet tall, I could bench press 300 pounds, and generally, if I was in the bar, I could pretty much take anybody in there. So like, I was walking around king of the world sort of a thing. One of the first things I said to my wife when I married her was, well, now we're married. You can pretty much say anything you want to anybody because I'll kill them if they, you know, if they say anything to you. Like you, you know, you, you're you're the most important thing in the world. Uh, so like I lived a, a life where I was the boss too. I had five or six guys that worked for me. I was the king of everything I surveyed at all times. I got paralyzed, and now it's like funny to laugh at. I got paralyzed. I went to a poker tournament, and my best buddy, my lifting partner, he still looked the same as you know we did, and. I got this guy in a poker game next to me. We're playing Hold'em, and he is giving me lip. He's like mouthing off, right? I love that. And, oh, I, oh, I know. My, awesome. my friend is sitting there, and he goes, what did you just say? And he goes, are you actually saying something to him? And he goes, well, you got a problem with that or something like that, right? And he goes, no, because I don't have a problem at all because I'm actually kind of enjoying it. He's a shit bigger than you, and now you're lipping off. And I'm like, yeah. You know what I would have done to him years ago? I broke him to pieces and stuffed him in a can. And... You know, we just laughed about it, but like uh, male vanity, like a part of me too has got problems because your ego takes a big. Oh yeah, talk kick about a big kick in the sure. Right, right. You better get comfortable. Everybody has seen me naked. Everybody has seen. Oh yeah, me. how about that? I mean, my God, I already see. Okay, so there's I, forty people that have seen me naked. Oh, over forty. There. Yeah. I, we went for infertility, so I'm down there, and they basically hook electrodes up to my nuts to see if they can get sperm out of me. Yeah. So after they juice me up, and then my blood pressure goes through the roof, and now they're worried about AD. Oh, yeah, right. They're like, right. oh, my God, we have got a group here, a couple people, would you mind if we brought them in and showed them what we're doing? Do it, yeah, yeah. No. I had that for my shower. No, the first I, time. I don't mind that. Right. I'm not kidding you. About 17 Asians oh, no, I that with movie. lab coats I like five. are in a yeah. room that might have fit 15 people while they're doing the procedure on me again. I have been seen, I have been in corporate meetings downtown at hotels and have cracked myself. I have been to corporate meetings, and that's why I always wear blue and black. You learn to, especially when you're wearing a suit, because if you pee yourself in something that's not blue or black, 
it stands out real bad. So blue or black, there you, you can you re- almost can't tell depending. Right now, some so, of that is stuff that you don't you deal with. You have to physically deal with it when it happens, but you have to emotionally and mentally deal with oh. it every single day because you're worried about whether it could happen. Sure. So like other people are walking around their life, they don't realize you don't walk around your life every day worrying you're going to crap yourself. You don't worry about the fact that. And here's the thing, like. Listen, anybody can go to uh, Taco Bell and get food poisoning. It's not going to be a situation where you can find a bathroom and go take care of that situation. For me and you, no, I'm pretty much at home now. Like, it's a week where oh, I'm just yeah. going to stay at home because it's a mess. Like, this yeah. is a big problem. So, and I watch where I go and what I eat. And if the people look like they're disgusting, then I'm not eating what came out of there sort of thing. But it's it's a mental thing that you have to deal with on a regular basis that you have to worry about that every single day. Hey, on top of, hey, do you want to go into the woods? We're going to go and throw a ball around or we're going to go do this or go to the game. And it's 95 degrees out. And you realize that, okay, I can do this, but and I'm not going to ruin everybody else's time. i got to make sure that I move people like, where are you going? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go sit over there and i, I got to grab the shade. And so I've got- there's another one, isolation. So uh, wrestling tournaments, a lot of wrestling tournaments – all the parents are in the stands, right? I'm never in the stands because I can't be in the stands. So I'm not up there having the conversations that I'd like to have with these people or anything like that. Uh, the freshman year, my boys, they've been varsity wrestlers since they were freshmen. They're they're the only freshmen on the varsity team. I don't really know. I know most of the parents because we grew up kind of with them coming up there. But I don't know some of them because they come from different areas or different youth clubs or whatever. We went to uh, Team State and where they have teams stayed at, the entire family's here, and the only accessible spot is like way up in the balcony. I'm all by myself. Yeah, no. Now, what was nice for me was when the wrestlers weren't wrestling, when they had their bye, they're all up in the spot that I'm up, and their families can't get up there, so they want to talk to their kid. They can't. I can, but I don't get to be social with all the people. No, I, I, I uh, before that. I broke my neck, I was a golfer. I did all kinds of things that were fun. Can't do any of that stuff. I had friends. Some of it's been a good thing. Um, like, I had friends who weren't really good, weren't good people and good friends that faded away because I couldn't go golfing, couldn't go lift the weights, I couldn't do the things that I could do before. So they were gone. And other people have stepped in to fill those spots just fine. Um, women, for me, were another thing. I definitely, I've been. You know, I got to watch it at PetSmart. I go into PetSmart and there's ladies that like puppies there. They like to take me home, get me a bowl of milk, take care of me. I don't want anybody to do that. I'm okay. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know. I've never tried that at PetSmart. Right, right, right. Well, PetSmart's the place they take the, you know, got all the pets. So uh, my problem with the dating thing for me is I'm mostly attracted to a woman that is... Wants that like alpha guy that's uh that wants to be taken by the hand that wants to be like you know she doesn't want to be controlled but she wants the guy to take the lead sort of thing that's the kind of dynamic that works for me and I don't fit that bill like looks wise now right they look at me and think well he's you not think gonna. that's a look or you think that comes from the inside I, I I think it comes from the inside the problem is is the women sometimes think it's a look you know what I mean like I when I go to a wrestling tournament. We, we always laugh. My sons are uh, tall, lanky guys, right? They're like five foot 11, but uh, they're pretty good wrestlers. And, uh, you know, we'll see a guy that's uh, five foot five and he's jacked, right? He's just totally jacked. And my sons go out there and demolish him. And my sons are not jacked. They're just too tall and skinny for that thing. 
But if you were to from the outside to look at that match before it happened, right, you're looking at nine out of ten people would pick the guy that was this. I boxed. It's the same thing. You remember uh, Thomas Hitman Hearns? Mm-hmm. You would not think that guy was the boxer, but the reach that he had and everything that he could do with the skills that he had, he was that guy. So looks can be deceiving for sure. And I always joke because uh, the guys that get the tattoos of the daggers and the dragons and all their shit, I go, that's a pussy right there. Because he's doing all that so that no one will try him because he's trying to look the part he got the he got the bad boy starter kit you know what i mean and decided to look this way that's not a tough guy that's a guy that's trying to look tough that's yeah it's where i grew up in burbank which is by no means like suburbia uh, by any stretch i grew up in the city at 57th and mozart until i was in third or fourth grade and then we moved to burbank um the tough guys were no different than the good guys in appearance Right. You know what I mean? The tough guys proved it on the field. Sure. And they proved sure. it on the court. And right. yes, did we fight? Oh, my God. My best friend and I would fight and have fights over. I couldn't tell you what. I probably couldn't tell you what then. But, you know, we one thing led to another. Sure. And we're fighting. And then, you know, the next night to, we're drinking a beer. Right. And I used to do that shit then. And I don't, I don't ever talk about it. Like, you know, now we're, we're talking about it now because it's a, you know, part of the life situation. But I'll go to reunions and I always get this, like, there's always two or three people that are like, you know, I used to be afraid of you and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, I wish that wasn't, that was never my goal. I never wanted that to be that way. Um, but it ended up being that way. And I don't like it now. Um, I was never a tough guy. I, I mean, I played I played sports. Right. I, I, I was a good-sized kid. When I got hurt, I was uh, six foot, 190 pounds. So I was a good-sized kid. I was fairly popular, mm-hmm. um, but I was not a tough guy. And, and back then, you didn't have a lot of tough... Like, that wasn't part of what my background came from. To, so, uh, yeah, us, you were in we Burbank, were, and I yeah. was I was in Bridgeview until I was Right eight. next door. Right. Uh, now, there's a huge difference. My parents moved out to Frankfurt when I was eight. And I always felt so that... that's suburbia, suburbia. That's, that's suburbia. We had a cornfield in the backyard. It was the country. And then I started to make some friends, too, that my parents got divorced. My mom moved south of Kankakee, down to Shabance. You get country kids down there. So I started finding some friends that I hung out with down there, hung out with kids that were in Frankfurt. And then I also had my friends that I grew up with that were from Bridgeview. The the fighting and stuff takes place in the country way more than the city. Everyone's got this view of the city as these kids that are gangers and all this nonsense. Those kids aren't fighting. Like these kids out in the country got nothing to do. They're all knocking each other up, drinking, and fighting all the time. So when I go out to the country, oh my god, I would get into fights constantly with those people. But uh, I'm not. That's not something I'm proud of. I put my sons in wrestling the way I did, so that they wouldn't. Where I get parents that put their kids in wrestling because they got picked on, and they want their kid not to get picked on. Wrestling doesn't work that way. You find out that even if you're the best wrestler out there, there's somebody that can beat. Yes, can beat you. Well, you get humbled. We know a guy in common, Kyle Langendorf. Yeah, same thing. And uh, you know, here's a I coached him and been around him for his whole grammar school, high school career. And um, I've always found he was humble. Some other people may think he's cocky. I might. I've always thought he was confident in in his abilities. Yes, and that's something I, I just always admired. A confident kid um but after a year of college wrestling to hear him admit 
and not sound so cocky or confident was interesting because t- to your point there's always somebody yes. bigger better tougher stronger Absolutely. faster right whatever out there and you got to be able to be okay with that yeah well i think the guy that's cocky is the guy who lifts weights looks in the mirrors never actually tests himself in that situation um i was i was always considered a cocky guy growing up too but my situation was the first the first fight that I got into, I was in fifth grade. I was a 10-year-old kid. And it was like the straight up 3 o'clock at the, at the grammar school, going to meet, and we're going to fight. Oh, yeah. And then we fought. Like, I mean, we went at each other for a while, beating each other. And, you know, you think you're tough. You find out, you know, when you're 10, you know, no one's got any skills then. But I got into numerous fights every single year. And then by the time I was in my, like, uh, late teens and 20s, we're talking about every single weekend. My best buddy was a Irishman, Dan Shanahan, and all we did was go out and fight and fight and fight and fight. I mean, if there weren't girls by 10.30 at night, we were looking for a dude to beat up. So, and when we were picking them. We were not big guys, so guys would, you know, get into it and we, we wouldn't back down. Um, I became cocky because after you've been in 30 fights, you know where your limits are and you know most other guys don't have that same skill set. So, but... You do get humbled when you run into somebody who hands you your ass. Uh, but if you're just a guy, you know that doesn't ever get his ass handed to him, then you don't ever have that feeling. But uh, so, but those are things as a male. Um, for the most part, being paralyzed like we are, you are an active guy. You know that that's who gets paralyzed because you're playing football, you're doing the construction job, you're doing something to get that situation to happen. Um, it's also a male-dominated uh, situation, too. When I was on the floor at RIC, there were 28 patients on the floor. Two of them were female. The other 26 were male. Yeah, I, I think I remember one girl that was broke her back, and she was walking. So she was in a pretty much a, not a body cast, but from her hips up. Um, and you're right, it is a male thing. I, you know what? I, I did it doing something I loved that I had done thousands of times. Right. Right. Well, the couple, the couple that I is. saw, the the one girl that I that I saw there, and I mean, she was a sweetheart. She went on to like you know get highly educated. She um, was skiing and she broke her neck, sort of a situation. Now, that's the other one too. Me and you paralyzed in sort of the similar spot. I saw guys that were paralyzed uh, at four, at three. Yeah, two. That were two, like right. Christopher Reeves. They were right. Where yeah, they, they were, were on a ventilator. They were right. on sipping puffs. Right. Where they had to rely on everything. And, man, you look at that, and you're just thankful to be a C5, C6 quad. Right. And I mean, you, you do. You appreciate The tiny bit of independence that, that, that you can get, it's, it is priceless as far as, could someone just leave me alone for a little bit? Because I'd like to just be on my own and do what I want to do on my own. Um I, you know, I, I want misconceptions to be broken down and I'm going to, you know, do a series of these podcasts with the, you know, the, the quadriplegic or paralyzed stuff like that. Anytime I can get someone that, that that's functioning and doing stuff that, you know, I want them to come on and talk about it. If I can get someone who was really having a hard time, I'd like to talk to them too, because I'd like them not to have a hard time. Well, see, I, if I can come up with anybody that might be interested, um, most of the guys that I came through the system with, uh, being being paralyzed, have moved to warmer climates. That's which a, that's is, a thing you know, for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I I played quad rugby for RIC. Oh, did you? So yeah, I played yeah, that for yeah. five or six years. I swam for Marion Joy, and and a lot of those people are gone. Some of them are still here, and they're in crazy, you know, 
crazy involved with the disability community. I had the rugby guys come to me, and when I was in there, they're oh, like, gosh, heard, yeah. you, heard you were an athlete. And I go, it looks interesting, guys. It really does. But you don't understand. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter and a year-and-a-half-old twins. I am going to deflect all of my energy into yeah. them doing their thing. So I, that's what I did. Sometimes I regret it because I think I would have had fun doing the quad rugby thing and stuff like that. I think it would have been a good time. Uh, so, okay, but as far as the um, – so, you know, the vanity thing, that, that was definitely a thing as far as, like, having to deal with that. Um, there's never a time now – I still don't care for a full-length mirror. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, really? What did you do? Uh, is it the chair? It's No, it's the body stuff. It's okay, like, so the little the quad gut. The, the little, little quad, quad gut, gut bothers me to death. I, I had a six-pack, man. I was like a ripped dude before I was, you know, paralyzed. So that, that, that to me is like hard to look at. Um, and then, uh, you know what? Like, I don't think of myself as that paralyzed guy like i don't and then when i see me i'm like oh yeah that's 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 what other people are seeing because i'm just doing what i'm doing and i'm doing everything that i'm doing and i don't think about it um that's i think that's the beauty part of the male female thing as far as we're lucky i would not want to be a female in this situation because guys i can i can find a guy who's down in the mouth about his girlfriend and i can be like dude you're out of your mind and i'm not saying this because i'm in a wheelchair she's gorgeous she's a sweetheart you're lucky to have her you've outkicked your coverage pal and he rethinks the whole thing he's like bill said you were hot so that works out fine like i'm doing well now if i would have said the opposite dude you could do better she's a dog he would have been dumping her in a minute because they are so shallow they need to have that thing on their arm um women have a totally different outlook on things they try and look at the person in there and everything else which is definitely works out better uh so, like, you know, it, it's definitely, you know, I feel for the women that, that are the few that are in this situation. Uh, driving, how long was it before you drove? Uh, four years, five years. How was the technology back then? Exactly the same. Oh, really? See, my, fr- my first driving experience was a car, so which wasn't easy. We took, the, we got a big old, uh, what was it now, a we took that, it was a big old 70 something. We took the back seat out. And most of the time when I was coming or going, somebody from the house would help me get the chair in. Where okay. I was going, I was picking somebody up. 99.9%. Yeah. Sure. So they could help me if I needed it. Right. But uh, it was just the simple hand controls and a spinner knob. Um, okay. That hasn't changed. In, now, do you use a spinner knob now or a tripod? I use neither. Nothing. Oh, nothing. Okay. I use a tripod. I like it. You know what I mean? Just to be yeah. able to you know, turn and do whatever. Yeah, I, I, I had one. And it got my cuff, because I wore a dress shirt for 22 years, got caught in it, and it almost took me off the road. Ooh, yeah. um, I just got used to not having anything. Oh, no, right, right. You can, yeah, you can adapt. So I've got I, the six-way power seat. Why? Because I, I don't, I don't want to drive in my wheelchair. I sit in this thing all day. So it's another form of exercise. It's another form of, of getting out of this chair which as comfortable as they make them, as you well know, is nice to get out of. Absolutely. Sitting in a captain's seat is way more comfortable. Sitting in my van is way more comfortable than this chair for sure. I do think about, like, there's times, so I'm a real estate broker. I'm in and out of that van, like, so many times during the day that there are times where I would like to, have you seen what they do with a pickup truck now where the whole cab comes down and then you pop in there in the chair and then back in there? Like, I'm thinking seriously about doing that as far as the way that I'd like to go. And then, uh, but I don't know yet. Because I do 
like to just jump into the thing. The other thing that would be nice about if I had a van where I drove from my chair would be that I don't have to store the chair anywhere in the van. So that would be a big... I'm... How many vans have you had? I have never bought a brand new, so I always get them with a couple miles on it. So I'm on my probably fifth one, and I, I'm in and out. I mean, there are days I'm in and out of it eight, do you find times. Do you find that, because uh, the only one I've done is this one that I've got. It's a 2006. It's got 170,000 miles on it now. Do you find that you make out like financially better by buying the used one? Because I, sometimes I see them for almost nothing. Yeah. On there, people can't get rid of them, sort of yeah. thing. There's no market for them. Um, and see, my van, my last van, I, I didn't get the raised roof and I didn't get a floor dropped. So yes, I got a knot in the back of my head from hitting, hitting it if I didn't bend over enough. But because I always transferred into the captain's chair and I drove 99.99 percent of the time, I my you know I might have to keep my head bent over while I transferred, and then you know, I'd lower the seat down, turn and drive. So I didn't the the, the the easiest thing for me was to not raise, not drop, because it's expensive. Oh, and, and then so you're dealing expensive. with, okay, now you got to make sure your garage will fit it. Um, and nowadays, they they drop the floors, and that adds twenty grand onto the price of a van. I'm driving and a $65,000 van that I get no pussy from. <laughs> I mean, I'm joking, but you're like, you know, no, I, it's, I, a, it's not a, it's not a, you it's know, not a woman catcher. No, at all. No, it's no, a big house me. I'm driving. I, I, and yeah. I love it. And I, I've owned, I've all gotten Ford E150s and they stopped making them last year. And we looked and looked and looked. And I'm you a Chevy could not guy. find, yeah, I, I, I ride them hard. I ride, I drive, drive them hard. And I have had such awesome luck with the Fords. Yeah. I keep them over a hundred thousand. And you know, I've, I'm transporting kids. That, I've got three kids, and not including their friends that are in and out and up and down. And right, uh, I mean, I get my money's worth. I, I sure, you know what sure. you pay. So right, right, right. And like now, you, all, there are days I'm in and out of it five, six, seven, eight times. Yeah. Now, see, uh, my therapist who I dated was very like conscious of you're doing too many transfers. Like that's too hard on your shoulders. I don't really find it that like to be that big of a deal. I try and do a lot of exercise where I'm like I get uh, in that power chair, lay down flat, and I'm pulling toward me because all day I'm pushing away. Now, do you have a power assist? Is that what you got going on the wheels? I did about uh, seven, eight, nine years ago, whatever it was. I just tended after thirty something years of pushing, uh, transferring. Yeah. Pushing on a football field. Sure. Um, that's tough, too. I went camping for a three-day weekend the one time. You know what? That's one of the one things that is nice for, like, I found um, I can arrange everything that I need to do for my bowel program and everything else on a camping trip because I can just use the tent as my personal little spot and everything else to be. Um, so camping works out pretty nice for me. But I pushed around on grass for an entire – I came home. I went up my ramp like no. I'm like, oh my god, I got to push on. So the grass. that's where I got strong. Was, yeah. And and then my kids always they all had strong legs because if it came to a big hill where we were out, I'm like, all right, pushing, push, pushing, pushing, uh, like push and whatnot. But um, I still use a sliding board. I, I use a sliding board in my van, sure. so it's helped. But I went to the manual assist because I have tendonitis and bursitis and every itis out there. That so that's another one we didn't cover that like. I got bursitis a couple times. Oh, is that painful? And yeah, it so it like elbow, shoulder. Oh, yeah. got a joint. So yeah. for us, we're using shoulders. 
like like you know, people use their legs and yeah. they're not they're meant not for weight for bearing right. no. a, a person's body like a person's legs are. Yes. So shoulders, elbows, wrists, fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got it I, in any possible spot that I have feeling. Of course, mm-hmm. that's what. Right, right, right. So I mean, these are things that like we have to deal with over and above. Everybody's got their situations. You can have a blister on your foot. You can whatever you got going on, but like. Yeah, I, I want people to under. I don't. I want people to understand that I, that we don't want sympathy, but we do need understanding as far as like this is what's going on here. Um, and some people get it. Like I get people that stop me at a wrestling tournament. And they're like, "We've seen you here for so long. Can't believe how far your boys have come and all this other stuff. And you did it all." And I'm like, you know, yeah, that's. I appreciate those things. Sure. Now. Do I need you to open every single door that I get to? No, I got this. I've been doing this for a long time. I've got I, to figure this out. I know, out. but there's a generation out there, and, and what cracks me up, I see this this same discussion on Facebook, and it's amazing the people that get offended, like really offended by it. And I'm like, you know, part of my answer is, one, I don't get offended because no. what's lost in this, my opinion, one of the things lost in this generation are those nice things that we grew up just you opened a door for somebody that was elderly. You didn't do it because they couldn't open it. You didn't do it because you felt bad for them. Oh yeah. You didn't. You yeah. didn't do it because they had gray hair. You did it because it was the right thing to do. You stood. If you were on a bus, you gave a woman a seat. Sure. They, it wasn't because she was overweight or old. Oh, or I appreciate every single person that's so, opened the door I mean, for sure. People who get. I know too many people who get bent about little stuff like that. It's right. Like you talked about. What's the first question you, you get it or second question? Can you still have sex? Listen, dude, have you thought about how you, maybe how you're going to work, finish your education, get a job, drive, do like get back into life? Yes. You're right. worried about sex. Right. And, and you have no clue yep. as to anything else out there. No. And that's what you're worried about? Right. I mean, well, it is, a, it is a kind of a, you know, your, your basic primitive function as far as that goes to appropriate the, right. And I mean. You know, I was 17 and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go. I know. I, it was like the farthest thing from my mind. Really? Until I started probably dating a little more, and then it was, oh, you got an external catheter. But that might not be the worst thing either. There's ways where there's a will, there's a way, or yeah. whatnot. So right. um, I I went to college, and I found there's all types of people out there, and, and girls didn't shy away because... Some girls did. I didn't know who they were, but I think I call it my asshole filter. So there's people, there's women that I probably would have dated when I was walking around that won't make eye contact with me because they they're not interested in dating somebody you know like that. Like they don't want to, they don't want that to happen, sort of thing, right? And I'm fine with that. Like at first I was like, oh, she's kind of good looking. That's not good. But if she's an asshole. Then what do I? I don't need that anyway. Like I wouldn't need whether to be you're walking, walking or whether you're in the chair. Right, exactly. So like it works out fine. And I mean, I have, like I said, th- th- there are times where there's drunk ones that I gotta be like, you know, get away from. But uh, I've had that that not been a problem as far as it goes. It's not anything that I think about as far as that goes. I I have a weird look at the wheelchair thing. I honestly look at people in a chair if they're doing everything, and I think more highly of them than I would if they were walking around doing it. Um, my sons say stuff like, you do more than a lot of parents do that are walking around. And I'm like, yeah. And I go, and you guys don't even know the half of what it takes to do what I'm doing. So I I, I, I always considered myself, um, I always looked at a person, um, we talked about being tough before. Uh, mentally tough 
is was a guy I would gauge it by. So I went to a party in Tinley Park, and there was a guy there that I knew was a tough guy, and we didn't get along. It was over a girl. We're gonna fight, right? So, so at some point tonight, we're gonna we're it's outside. We're gonna do this. So we do it. He gets the best of me, right? And he got me pretty good. So I went and I grabbed a beer, cleaned up a little bit, drank my beer, and I went back over by him and I said, "Hey, try go. Let's go again. Let's see." And he goes, "All right." And he went again. He thought he had it, right? He didn't get me the second time. And I always gauge that mental toughness on. A lot of guys take a beating and then they're done. They're beaten. Then they walk around the rest of their life thinking this guy is here and I'm here because. He beat me. I wasn't going to let that happen. I was going to be like, hey. And now we saw each other after that. We had a mutual respect for the fact that he decided to go again. He could have walked away and said, no, I'm not going to fight you again. What do I got to? We had nothing to win. He already won. But uh, he did. So I thought he was tough. He thought I was tough because I took a beating and I came back and took it again. Um, I was mentally tough then. I'm far more mentally tough now. After dealing with all this, there's nothing that would stop me. I mean, I've had situations where if I fell uh, out of my yard, I'd have to drag my ass up my ramp and like in here. The way that I, because I am really independent, if I fall out of my chair, which has happened a couple times and most of the time naked, which sucks. uh, The way that I get back up into my chair is I get my power chair that's got the leg rest on there. I get my my ass onto the footrest, and then I tilt that thing all the way up in the air where I'm dangling in the air, balancing, working the joystick, and then I flip onto my bed, and then I get the chair back set up, and I get back in the chair. It's resourcefulness. Right. And, yeah. and I was never that tough guy like that where I never looked for a fight. My mouth would get me in trouble because I was quite witty and sarcastic. Sure. And... Uh, a lot of the guys didn't like that, especially the short guys that had short man disease where they're always... And Napoleon looking. syndrome. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it was just, it was kind of funny. Um, so I, I never viewed myself as tough or not tough. I, you know, I played football. You were you were pretty tough to play sports. Yeah. If you played sports. I got in fights. I could count them on my fingers. Not many. Right. Not, it, I don't even, the winning, what wasn't... I didn't look at it as winning and losing, even though, like you, some sometimes you ended up on the good side, sometimes you yep. ended up on the yep. bad side. Yep. They taught it taught you lessons more about yourself yeah. than the that's other. That's my guy. favorite. Uh... More about yourself than the other guy because you got to look in the mirror, and that's the only one I challenge for the last forty years is that guy right. looking in the looking back at me because right. I've got nothing to prove to anybody. You want to be a tough guy? You come sit in my chair and I'll tape up your hands, and you spend you spend a weekend. In a wheelchair, and let me see. We'll see who's tough. Yeah, at the end of the week, you're going to be. What I can do. Yeah, you're going to be naked laying there, right? right. Mentally tough. I, 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 my next book, and I've been toying around, and is going to be on grit. And actually, Kyle's one of the guys I talked to because I went to elite athletes, uh, people that were in the Olympics, and just I really that that fascinates me. Yeah. Oh yeah. What takes? What do these guys? What do these people have? Like Mendoza. Yeah. What I mean, here's a guy. Uh, that, that that served and won numerous medals was blown up and you would never know it. He doesn't walk around like the he's, like the world's tough or complain about not being able to hear out of one ear. Sure, sure, I've got another sure. friend who did five tours as a minesweeper and he doesn't walk around with a chip on his shoulder. No, and right. he doesn't walk around saying I got PTSD because I had it tough 
and I had tough experiences. I, I just those well, guys. Well, Mike man, talked they're, about they're tough. They're, right. Mike well, Mike's got things. He's. I mean, Mike talked about no, no, not that. Mike talked about the guys like you're talking about, and he said there's a culture of people that were in the military, some of them that weren't even combat vets, that all claim disabilities now. And he's got a very short fuse, oh, yeah, and a very does. short like uh, uh, patience no for, well for that. No. He's very, like, and he'll say stuff like, you know, the, that guy you know, didn't do what I did, and now he's permanently disabled. Like, that would just, I get somebody like Mike Mendoza. He had his body blown up. Yeah. He has a thousand reasons to be disabled. Yeah, right. But he chooses not to. Well, yeah, we deal with that, too, on a daily basis because every time you pull into a Sam's or a Walmart or something like that, you can't find a handicapped spot. But then you go into the damn store and you can't find a handicapped person, right? I mean, I don't know how many times I've gone to a wrestling tournament and there's 16 handicapped spots. I don't, I don't, I'd like to lobby somebody like uh, to get, I'd love to see some handicapped spots at the back of the parking lot. I don't need the distance. I don't care about. No, me. You know I just I need? can't have somebody park next to me. Yes, and they park on the lines all the time. They and park I've on the lines. Right, into it with right. the with the county sheriffs. I've gotten verbally into it with them because they blew it off. Like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. What, what's your problem? Well, my problem is if I bring my son up here and and he's nine years old and I go, I need to go home and leave. I can't do it unless I ask. Some knucklehead to pull my van out, van which has yeah. hand controls yeah. and and other things on it. That's yeah. and how about how about this? How about they're wrong? They illegally parked. How about that simple? Sure. They illegally parked. It, it doesn't need to be a debate. There's no debate. They parked illegally. And let's explain what illegal is. Listen, if you drive your grandmother around and you have that placard, that does not mean you can take her car with the placard to the movie theater and park in the handicap right. spot. It also doesn't mean that if you drive your grandmother around, that you can drive. Your your grandmother sits in the car that that she's the handicapper, and then you run in, and you run in, and you're parked in the handicap spot. That's that's illegal. That's not the way How that this goes. How many times I run into? I was only running in for a minute. Right. Right. Oh right, my right. gosh, I could count it. Well, much. those guys. I mean, I don't want to be a dick, but I am. I'll pull behind some of those people sometimes and just sit there for a while, and they're like honking, looking at me. I'm like, oh, I had to wait for you, so now you're gonna wait for me. To make it. my phone call and do whatever I'm going to do because you're going to sit there. Because, listen, this whole life takes me a lot longer than it takes you to do anyway. And now i got to wait at Walgreens here because you're parked in the handicap I've spot. Gotten, I've pulled behind them, gotten out of the van, gone into the store. Leave your did, car there. I left it there. Yeah, right, 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 right. And then they're mad. They're mad. I mean, you know, I don't get any of it. I mean, and that, what's funny is, is I don't, if you see me sitting in a car, I don't look like I'm paralyzed. I look like a regular dude. I get looks all the time. Yep. And then they'll suddenly see me come out and they're like, oh, that. And then. Oh, I have people, you've probably seen it, where they'll wait around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then they see the door open up and then they they get the curious look. Then they see the ramp come down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're on, they're out, they're, they're gone. I've had people say something to me like summertime, windows down. What are you doing parking in that parking spot? And I go, just give me a second and I'll show you. And I get out in there in the wheelchair and I'm like, you know, I. And they're like, oh, I'm like, listen, you should, and I don't assume either, listen, if you've got a heart condition or you've got, I can't see that maybe or something like that, that's fine. But, you know, if you're just old and fat, like, this is not a necessity that you need. You don't need to park in these spots. Um, I swear people at wrestling tournaments talk to their doctor and get a placard oh, just because they can't it, find a parking it's spot. It's not wrestling. It's wrestling. It's football. It's baseball. It's basketball. Right. I mean, right. I... I, I 
It's everything. It's yeah. just we have become a me society, and, and we don't think about others. I mean, there's you know, right. I, like I said, I would just like to have those spots at the back of the parking lot. I can get out of my van; it'd be fine. And I don't or I mean, van just van parking, not the handicap parking, just van parking. And if you pull in there with a car, you could get ticketed because even in a car, you could. If you could get in and out of a car, unless they park on top of you yeah. outside the lines, you can get in. But with guys like us with a with a ramp, I I need right. a full spot, right. or darn close to it. So I drive a car too. When I drive the car, I've got somebody with me, or okay. I so I got a Subaru, and the Subaru is like it's it's amazing in the snow and ice. So if there's a I've never missed a, 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 a you know a match for my sons. Like I go to every single one. I don't care if it's six inches of snow that day. I go. Generally, I go in the van. But now with the Subaru, I'll take that thing instead. And I'll just call ahead to one of their parents. Hey, can you do me a favor? Yank my chair out, sort of a deal. I only need a regular parking spot then. I don't care where I park at yeah, that point. Exactly. Uh, so that you know that that's a thing for sure. Um, I don't know how you deal with. Uh, do you have any pain? Like like right now, my hands are like they're on fire. I'm pain. Every day. Every day. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, every things. day. So, I mean, to a point, and, and, you know, this is one of those things, like you say, uh, you, you get used to going out and you're smiling. And, and unfortunately, the family takes the shitty end of that because, you know, when you're out, I'm not going to complain in front of anybody. I, I probably will when I get home be like, okay, I'm laying down. Can you get me maybe two Motrin or something like that? Mm-hmm. Because I have had, when I broke my legs... They gave me pain medication. The fentanyl patch. They gave. Yeah, me. how did you not get out, out, out of time with dysreflexia with the broken bones? Didn't happen. Not yeah. the not the AD. Now, okay, so but the pain that is work. is a shock. So a guy, I used to carry a card. I don't know if you. I heard one of my. I, yeah, the, I don't have it anymore. What AD yeah, is. right. Because no one knows if I had a if I somehow broke my toe. I could go into autonomic dysreflexia, and it's shock. It's a situation where you start to sweat. It, 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 and it, you can, like, you can oh, you die. Can die from right, because right, your heart rate goes up, and basically you could have a stroke. So I was laying right. in the in the room, and the nurse came in. She's like, how are you doing? You know, you in a lot of pain. I go, well, you know, I'm a quad. I go, but I started sweating, and I could feel my heart rate go up. And so, you know, of course, I had explained what AD was because they don't know. Ninety-nine. These are health of, professionals that don't know. They have no clue, right? Of what AD is. And I said, she's like, "Do you want pain meds?" And I'm like, "Probably," because at that point now, I was sweating, which that's our body's response to pain when we can't feel it. Right. I was I was starting to shake and have convulsions because the body inside knew there was something wrong right even though i couldn't feel my legs per se they didn't hurt sure. but your body knows right so yeah they gave me pain meds the problem now with and that was when i had my legs broke pain meds don't work on me so my bad shoulders my elbows uh pain meds don't work because now, it, i stay away from pain meds terribly i stay as far as i can from because of the constipation thing like I don't want to be bound up because yeah. I took that and pain meds. All they do is sh- shut off what the brain is sensing. Yeah, we've so already got that shut off. Yeah, right. Kind of. Yeah. Right. And then people are like, "Well, how come you're in pain?" Well, the ten percent of my body I can feel does sense it, and then you yeah, and I don't get that either because I don't know how that works for me. Like you said, I don't know if it's phantom pain or what. But like right now, both my feet feel like they're asleep, like they're like buzzing sort of thing. It, it's become my normal. I always say that it's it's why I don't believe in hell because you can get used to anything. If tomorrow, if, if I was perfectly normal, like fine before I was injured, 
and then somebody just put the feeling that I have on me today, I would be like, what? I got to get to the hospital. Something's terribly wrong with what's going on. But this is how it is. I didn't sleep for like any length of time for like maybe four weeks after I came out of the coma just because this pain was insane. And then they want to give you every pill in the world. I don't want anything to do with that stuff. Um, they gave me Neurotin, which was a thing that uh, um, was supposed to stop the diabetic nerve pain situation. But what it did for me was make me feel uh, kind of euphoric. And I felt like everything's going to be okay all the time. And that's not a way to go through life. I needed to feel like, hey, you better get your ass and do this and get your ass and do that. Um, so, And for me, I had the little kids. I needed to immediately get to work. So like, I got my real estate license and started selling real estate as soon as I could. Where if I didn't have kids, I think I would have, I think a law degree would have been what I would have liked to, because I think that's something that I would have been interested in. Um, and then I could have put that to work. And I knew a couple of lawyers that were in wheelchairs that I was like, that could work out. You know what I mean? I could make a, sure. a decent living and still be a guy in a wheelchair. Uh, so like, I just, I want people to understand that there's, like with Brian, there's like, it's impressive what you've done to live your life and do everything you've done because you essentially did everything you did and you drug, you, you have like 18% of your body that you can use and you drug the rest of it around with you the rest of the time to do everything you did and the rest of it didn't agree with what you wanted to do. Your body said, I don't want to do this. I want to take a shit right now and this is going to be a problem for you. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you had this whole thing that when I, and then like, you know, um, the spasms and everything else, my body does not want to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. So, it's definitely been more to do. Uh, I look at my life more like I've accomplished more because it's not, um, that's another reason the Donald Trump thing doesn't, doesn't appeal to me. He was born on third base and he thinks he hit a triple. The the guy who comes from nothing and goes to here, it's the distance traveled. It's the it's the journey that he took that makes the deal. Um, nobody would, I mean, maybe not though. I said something to my sons and they're like, I never thought about being like, uh, like these are inspirational books, right? Yes. But I've never thought about myself like being an inspirational speaker sort of a thing. And that what you're doing when you're coaching? Aren't you inspiring I am, but not, not from a to, place. But you're inspiring. No, it's a total, I agree with you. Because a guy like you looks at being an ins inspirational speaker like a cheerleader. Mm. And I'm not a cheerleader. I mean, I will I support my team. It, I will the support stuff that you're doing, I look at like it's real. Like someone should be inspired by this because there's people out there that can't hold a job. There's people out there that can't function just a normal I, life I, that they can't have. And they're walking around and they should be able to read this and be like, hey, if this I guy can so. do it, get my ass up and do what I got to do because I can actually get my ass up and do it. When I see motivational speakers like Tony Robbins and like, I just think it's bullshit. I just think it's like just nonsense. There's that Russian dude that's always talking shit too. Like, and they're all like guys that were entrepreneurs or something like that. Listen, I own my own company. I didn't call myself an entrepreneur every time I, I was a contractor for fuck's sake. So like, you know, like some of that stuff is just, it's just, it's just spoon fed nonsense. Um, this is not, this is somebody who actually, you got dealt a, a huge blow. It knocked you on your ass literally. And then you decided I'm not going to sit here and do this. And you, okay, I didn't have the option. So actually, like, I look at you and say, you should be more impressed with a guy like Brian than me because you had the option 
Could you have just relied on everyone to do everything for you and they would have felt sorry for you and done the things for you? And, Probably. Right, but inside to, you... To some, some degree. Right. Because I knew it wouldn't last and I knew it wasn't right and I knew it wasn't what was expected out of me. Right. I mean, there's a whole lot of reasons I didn't. It wasn't even a question. Like, I never even thought of that. Like, right. that's not what you did. That's not the way it was brought up. Right, 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 right. You get right. up. And right. you take a hit, and right. then you get up and you take another hit. You right. know that, right? right. Hey, whether it's a fight, whether it's football, whether it's life, you, you you get back up. Right, 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 right. Well, we're about two hours and 15 minutes into it. I'd like to have you back again because there's no, so much I more we to. can talk about. I've got an idea for you because I think Good. this would be interesting. I think you should find the wife of somebody who's disabled. Yes. And I think their perspective would be absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'll do that I, for I don't sure. know who you could get. Possibly, <laughs> but to put up with somebody for thirty. Brian's years, wife is here with him, so right. right. I, my my inside joke. My wife is here uh, of thirty years. God bless her, um, and and we we get we agree on ninety nine percent of everything in life. I mean, we really do. It is uh, it's a godsend, and I you know I say that uh, all sincerely mm -hmm. um, that you know her as a mother, her as a, a daughter in law, her is. Uh, a sister. I mean, you, see, you, now my family did not deal with my extended family did not deal with this very well at all. And I mean, I my dynamic was different. When I was a contractor, I only heard from my family when they my roof was leaking. Yeah, my roof's leaking. My this, they need that, and everything else. And then what was funny was even when I got injured, like, hey, we're gonna put an addition on. And they needed to, you know, me to come over and look at everything and everything else. And I talked them through the whole process and how to interview a contractor and all that other shit. But then as soon as they had the job done, they didn't need me again. And I was like, you know what? I don't need you either, all right? This is not something that I you need to. You find out real quick who your friends are, don't yeah, you? Yeah, baby. I don't, I, don't, I don't associate with any of my extended. My, my, I have two sisters and both my parents. They're all alive. I just don't talk to them. Like, I don't have any. Yeah, and I don't. Right. It, but that's a two-way street. Yeah, right. No, it's a two-way right. street. Right, it's and fine. And you know, at some point, you got to make a decision. Are they sucking the energy out of me, or is there value there? Right, And right. And I don't have time you know, we talked in, you know, it went back to politics, to these haters who just hate somebody because you're a Republican. I, can, I hate you or you're yeah, not yeah, a yeah, Democrat. Yeah, I don't have crazy. time for hate in my no, life. Right. It is so absorbing. It's right. cancerous. Right. So I don't hate somebody who has a different opinion. I mean, I don't have time to hate. Right. I mean, that, that's such a strong word. Right. If people really think about it, I don't care how much you dislike Trump or you might have disliked Obama. I don't have time to hate either of them. Sure, I got sure. just like you. I got to spend all my energy just running my life forward sure. and being there for my family and kids. I don't have the energy to hate. I was extremely let down. I had high hopes for the Obama presidency, and then I was extremely let down when it all happened. He became the same corporate shill that they all are, as far as it goes. And I thought maybe he'd be outside of it enough that he wouldn't be but he ended up taking all kinds of money from goldman sachs and it just was not you my think thing. you're pissed what about all the african-americans who thought their life was going to change i mean yeah, take, I, take, know, I mean i, I, I don't think like identity, identity politics is not my thing so yeah no but i didn't vote for him because he's black is what i'm saying it doesn't have nothing to do with it yeah. it had to do with it i saw a guy who came from a single mother he came from humble beginnings he was head of the law review at harvard he made something of himself from nothing, and I had high hopes that he would keep those nothing roots and help people that came from nothing. Uh, he was bought. He was bought. Before, well, he was in college, law right. school. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he was right. bought. Like I said, it was not my guy. Yeah, you know, no. But, I, and actually, I wasn't a fan 
but I had hopes, like you said, yeah. that, you know, he came from this city. I mean, our city, not to get, I'm not, I'm not going to spend more than 30 seconds. No. I mean, our city, I was hoping he would have answers to the education problems, answers to maybe some of the gang problems, answers to help all the cities that are struggling because of something that's gone on for years, whether that be Detroit, Baltimore, Chicago, and just that, that was, and he came from there. I mean, right, well, that was my high hopes, and, they didn't, and it didn't really right. pan out that way. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but I, I, like I said, I enjoy having conversation with somebody who has a different point of view, too. So, like, you know, I don't want anyone out there to ever think that, like, that my podcast is certainly not, I have no agenda. Like, I'm not trying to push a side or anything like that. The only thing that I, my politics are strictly dictated by, um, I consider myself a progressive. And when I say that, I don't mean... Uh, tree hugging, what I don't know, whatever. It's like what I mean is, I want solutions that I see there could be progress for the country. That's totally what I agree. want. So, and I find out that I agree with. Uh, I had two guys in a row here that were avid Trump supporters, like defenders on the internet, like all that other kind of stuff. Which I'm like, I don't know why you want to die on that hill for that guy. He couldn't care less about you. But so. And we talked, and we talked about issues, and it turned out that, like, the one guy's like, he goes, I'm pretty sure that I'm a Republican and you're a, like, Democratish guy. I'm not a Democrat because I've never voted that kind of ticket. But he goes, we agree on, like, 90%. And I'm like, well, then we need to figure out how to do that. Because people throw around this Civil War thing. That was a terrible time in our country. Brothers killed brothers. We killed the most Americans in a war. It was horrific and people talk about that like it's flippant like it's nothing and i'm like listen we need to have a find a, a dialogue to have with people totally because the what's aisle. happening out there is and, and not to get into conspiracy theories but i mean there is an elite that is pulling a lot of strings oh absolutely and, and, and yeah. i'm sorry johnny Lunchbucket, like you and me blue cat collar guys we pay the toll for any for well for if you so look at things. if you look at where the effective tax rate is it's been shifted and shifted and shifted to the middle class is carrying the burden of the the, the tax thing. But that's and, what it, I agree with you, 100%. Right, and the problem is is that, that my line is always, listen, this party thing, this tribalism thing is nonsense. There's one party, and if you're in the middle class, you ain't invited. There's a party going on, and it just ain't us. And, my, and I think the thing that goes across aisles all the time for most everybody I talk to, even some of the most fanatical uh, Republicans and Democrats is no one likes when they hear about uh, Amazon making $11 billion and paying $0 in taxes. No one likes that. And they don't like that from a gut reaction. But then when you start talking about, well, wait a minute, too, you got to start factoring in the fact that, you know, Jeff Bezos, his entire workforce learned how to read, write, and do math from the public school system, and he pays nothing into the public school system. Now, he's making money off of a system that he pays nothing into. If you ask me, and if you're a regular Joe working at a job or you're a lunch pail Joe, you're, you know, turning a wrench all day long, you don't have employees. You make your money from what you do every day, so you got your education in public school. That's fine. you got to pay a little something in there. But Jeff Bezos should pay, be paying a higher percentage than that guy does because he makes all his money off of all these people that got their education there. Also, I don't have a fleet of 100,000 trucks on the highway destroying the highway, putting potholes everywhere. Yeah, Jeff Bezos does. But I got it right. I'm the one fitting the bill. 
So that's not right. And everybody in any political spectrum goes, that's not right. Um, so, but anyways, come back. Cause, no, you know, I'd love to. Right I appreciate to it. And then, you know, if you, if you have the other book stuff, are, are, are these on Amazon? They're on Amazon. Okay, good. Or so you I'm going to find those. Uh, my nonprofit, and we can talk about that maybe another time. Yes, let's do um, that. SoarNonprofit.com. I would love to come back. This was awesome. I agree with you. It's nice to have a conversation and have different opinions and be able to intelligently talk without feeling like you're, you, you've got to delete somebody from your friend list. I, right. I'll, I'll never get that. So send me some links to, uh, I will, uh, underneath the, in the description, I'll put the links to the, the nonprofit and then whatever else you got going on. And then I will put the links to the Amazon places to buy Thank the you. books from. Uh, I don't know. Hell, I, thanks for coming and, and I appreciate it. Uh, on every podcast, I, you know, beg and plead because the, the, the blood of this whole thing is the subscribe button down there for the YouTube video. So if you're friends with Brian and you're, and you're you know, I know we've got a bunch in common, actually, friends, uh, and you haven't subscribed yet, it's free. Just click the subscribe button. It does nothing. It doesn't even email you anything. All it does is the next time you get on YouTube, on the very bottom, you'll have a little red icon. If you click on it, it'll show you that we have new videos that are up. So you can see the new videos. What it does is it lets me know that the conversation that you listened to with me and Brian is something that you enjoyed, and then I'll do more conversations that are along those lines. You know, if you if you only enjoyed the one with the, you know, I had a witch on one time that does witchcraft. If I got the most things there, I'd be looking for more witches because people like that. Uh, so, you know, please subscribe. Uh, if you can, follow us on Podbean. Um, follow the podcast on iTunes. Um, interact with us on there. If if you uh, have something that you want to say or if you think you know somebody that should be on a podcast to talk about what they do, I mean, uh, you know, we, we, we chipped at uh, a tenth of what goes on in your life and my life as far as the wheelchair oh, yeah. stuff goes. And then, you know, the accomplishments that you've had too. We didn't really get into that either. So, you know, um, but help me out. Subscribe. Um, I usually put a video along with it with my sons that do the how to subscribe thing to, to the YouTube video. But thanks, man. Let's wrap it up. Thank you much. All right. It was fun.